Today's episode of the Film State Show is brought to you by Mubi, a curated streaming service showcasing exceptional films from around the globe. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. I took my cobra down to the track, hitched to the back of my Cadillac. Everyone was there just waiting for me. There were plenty of stingrays and XKs. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast for thefilmstage.com. As always, I'm your host... Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Robin Barr. Ha ha ha. <laughs> Oof. God, is that where we're starting at? Mm-hmm. That's not ideal. All right, we also have Bill Graham. Hey! I feel like that's more Italian than French, but okay. You are you get a pass. Yeah, you get a pass uh, who's, who's, uh, that was just a hey. All right, that's good. <laughs> With us nothing, today... Nothing racial about that. <laughs> if you say so. Uh, we have a special Who guest. Who are you, a stupider? <laughs> <laughs> to talk about. Oh, man, we had like a five-minute conversation about the correct way to pronounce the name of this movie. And I'm definitely going to do it. Titan. Titan. It's uh, Pegaloy. Hi. Bonjour, mes amis. Comment allez-vous aujourd'hui? Oh, see, there we go. So, Robin, do you do that? <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> this is oh god god you know in another world we'd be canceled already um but anyway peg uh thank you so much for joining us uh can't wait to talk titan with you uh would you like to introduce yourself to our uh, listening audience uh well i'm a member of the boston society of film critics as is Ooh. robin that's how Ooh. we know each other I was a, a freelance film critic in Boston for about 10 years before I moved from there. I used to write for the Boston Phoenix. I now write for the Arts Fuse, which is based in Boston. I'm also freelance, and I write for a number of different outlets, including Bloody Disgusting. I've written for Vice, Time, Polygon, Mike, Refinery29, a few other things like that. I'm also um, a former... Uh, media studies scholar and adjunct professor of media studies. I taught at Emerson College in Boston for about 10 years. And um, I'm working on a book about the portrayal of uh, witches and witchcraft in film and television called The Witching Hour. That is awesome. That is that is a perfect thing to have. Uh, be tis working the season. On, tis, yeah, I was about to say, tis mm-hmm. the season for the witchiness. Well, that's awesome, and we are very glad to have you here to talk about uh, Titan, right? Right? Titan. Titan. <laughs> the new yeah. film from, Titan. and now I get to say this completely wrong, Julia de Cornau. That sounds about right. All right, cool. I figured if I just like slurred it and said it real quick, I might get close. Um, and uh, we're super excited about it. Before we get into it, though, the usual uh, rigmarole up top, you can find us on uh, Twitter, at Film Stage Show, Facebook, The Film Stage Show. You can email us, podcast.filmstage.com, and of course you can give us a comment rating on iTunes. Um, and uh, don't forget to go to patreon.com slash show to give us your money. You can be a part of our Slack channel and get first crack at all of our various raffles from the film stage. And uh, yeah, don't forget that we are brought to you, as always, by Mubi, a curated streaming service that showcases exceptional films from around the globe. Every day, Mubi premieres a new film. Well, it's time... <clears throat> Oh my god, I don't know what just happened in my throat. Whether it's a timeless classic, a cult favorite, or an acclaimed masterpiece, it's guaranteed to either be a movie you've been dying to see, or one you've never heard of before, and there will always be something new to discover. With movie, each and every film is hand-selected, 
So you'll never spend more time looking for something great to watch. And instead, you'll actually be watching something great. It's like your own personal film festival, streaming anytime, anywhere. There is a bunch of really interesting sounding stuff on there. And I wanted to bring up two of them. Um, they've got a visionary Hungarian animation special right now. And uh, one of the things that they are showing in the, the, under that banner is I Like Life a Lot. Life in rural Hungary turns vivid in this unusual animated short made from children's drawings. Despite their young age, the budding artists impressively capture the hardships faced by the Romani community with equal stoicism and innocence, all while adding a dose of fantasy to everyday routines. And uh, we're also very excited to uh, show, share with you movie Spotlight Two Gods from 2020. Announcing the arrival of a new major voice in nonfiction filmmaking, Siswan Ali's debut is a vibrant portrait of community and faith. Beautifully composed in black and white, Two Gods renders its subjects with great intimacy and creates an invaluable document of the Muslim American experience. So if any of that sounds good to you or you'd like to know the other 28 things that are there available to watch, you can get a free 30-day subscription to movie. By going to mubi.com slash filmstage. Again, that is mubi.com slash filmstage for a free 30-day trial. And that is that. Uh, before we go to Titan, I would like to briefly turn the spotlight to Bill to say, Bill, you got married. Yay. <laughs> Woo, and had a birthday. Stupida. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's the recitation of Bill's vows, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mentioned uh, Star Wars and Princess Bride. So. Good God. Wait a second. How? How did you do that? Uh, I referenced how many days we had been together to that point okay. and mentioned that that was enough time to watch the original Star Wars trilogy 6,008 times um, and have... Uh, time left over to watch princess bride and then i had a couple of questions for her at the end of my vows and one of the last things i said was do you want to get married and she said yes and i said as you wish oh that's fucking adorable that's, i love that that's that's our movie so perfect that is a good movie if there must be a movie then that is a good one to have so we are all of us very excited for that um, and uh, we wish you well. And uh, you're going to be on your honeymoon in like three days. Is that right? Yeah, we take off on Wednesday and then get back Sunday and then immediately watch uh, Blade Runner. Or no, not Blade Runner. <laughs> no, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Blade Runner 2049, Dune. Right, no, you got to do your to Denis know? retrospective before you go and watch <laughs> Dune. So yeah, you got Blade exactly. Runner 2049 and then you got Prisoners and then you got Enemy, Sicario. Mm. in ensemble anyway <laughs> yes um i yeah so that's that's awesome um very happy to hear it's very happy everything's going so well and uh yeah so that's all we need to talk about and now we can get on to the main event which is wait no one else got married mm, no i had my <laughs> no, uh, fourth yet. wedding anniversary <laughs> oh anniversary thank wait you wait a second when is your anniversary and when did Bill, are you, do you guys now share like a wedding anniversary? 15th? No, I'm uh, married on the 14th. Oh, that's a oh. shame. So what this means and is I need to get married on the 16th because then we would have the 14th. That's my 15th, parents' 16th, wedding anniversary. Right you can't married on the 17th. How about I get married on the 13th? That there sounds good. Go. That sounds like your kind of speed. Octagon. <laughs> 
Oh, Robin, you and your rapier wit just cutting into my soul. Um, appreciate it. So I've got a year to find someone to get married to. Um, that sounds like fun. I can do that. It's not going to be a good do marriage. Do you date? But, huh? What was that? Do you date? Do I date? No, I don't date. Have you ever heard me talk about dating anyone? No, but that could be because you have like a secret Tinder. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Me and my secret Tinder. I, <laughs> what part of... The 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 radio personality I affect for this podcast makes you think that I keep any secrets on this thing. That's true. Yeah, no, I am a, an open book that screams its narrative at passersby. Um, <laughs> anyway, let's uh, let's let's move on. Let's talk about the new film from Julia de Cornell, and that is again Titan. And uh, this is out in theaters now from uh, Neon Releasing. And I will, of course, read the uh, IMDb synopsis. Following a series of unexplained crimes, a father's reunited with the son who has been missing for 10 years. Titan colon, a high metal highly resistant to heat and corrosion with high tensile strength alloys. And here is the trailer. I hate this so much. <laughs> what the fuck? You hate what? That description? This log line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's odd that it starts with the thing about the missing child because that doesn't that's not yeah. a thing until at least a good half hour in. Right. It, it makes it it's the I'm letting the trailer play because because this is a foreign language film, uh there's not a lot of dialogue in the trailer, so really the trailer is just a formality for me at this point. In fact, I'm going to fade it out. Um, yeah, it's a little crazy reading that because it's like, oh, like the first 30 to 40 minutes of this movie are not totally from the point of view of of the, the, the female who ends up pretending to be the son. Like, I don't understand. It's like the person watched the movie backwards. Yeah. It's insane. And also, like, it's just not at all how I would describe the film. <laughs> No, no, it's insanity. It is, however, a little better than when the film was first coming out of, of Khan, which I guess this would have been the best time to actually ask how you pronounce Khan. I've only been doing it for like, I don't know, can? 17 years, and I have no idea. Can, Khan, anyway. Can? Um, it was literally yeah. just the Titan, uh, metal, highly resistant heater corrosion with high tensile strength alloys. That was it. That was the entire synopsis we had for forever. <laughs> and I consistently said, like, I refuse to watch this movie until they release an actual synopsis. And here we are. They did it. Kind of. It's not it's a good so, synopsis. I think people were intrigued by the images that were being teased out about it, too. Right. So. That was yeah. that was like it, really. It was like a bunch of like pink purple lit things and people on cars and, you know, a child in a attraction. And people were like, ooh. Well, yeah, the color symbolism turns out to be very, um, I think, instrumental in telling the story personally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we're already talking about this. So let's uh, let's begin with our well, let's begin. Let's uh, let's move on into our basic nutshell thoughts on the film. And then we can uh, move into deeper discussion that we already clearly are champing at the bit to get into. So, yeah, let's do it. <clears throat> we begin, of course, with our guest, Peg. What do you think of Deton? In a nutshell, uh, I think it's um, it's very bold. It is uh, it's gorgeously filmed. It's it, I think that it has potential to be extremely controversial. I think that uh, a, a, many audience members will be very perplexed by it. 
Um, I think it's also very alluring and titillating and uh, has amazing performances. Um, I'm not 100% convinced the entire thing holds together structurally, but it didn't matter to me. And I, that is a testament to how very powerful this film was. And I, I also want to say I was an extremely big fan of Ducourneau's debut film, Raw, uh, which got excellent reviews. And the fact that her second film is uh, is won the Palm d'Or is pretty damn impressive. Absolutely. All right. Bill Graham. Okay. Um, I didn't know what to make of this. I still don't know what to make of this. Uh, I really enjoyed Raw quite a bit. Uh, Raw is not this movie. Uh, And so this film is entirely weird and unexpected in so many ways. And then it finds a thread that is not related to the initial movie plot at all. And just kind of ends up in this weird nether realm where it just kind of exists as a film that you're watching kind of between, uh, you know, eyes or uh, between fingers, just kind of like, what is happening? Why is this happening? (laughs) Um, That was the experience I had throughout this film. Um, I didn't know what was happening, why it was happening. And yet I was still entertained and enthralled. And I don't know what to fucking say to that because that's not necessarily great movie making but it still works in so many different ways um i think the honestly the weirdest thing about this film is it's not weird enough and i wish it Mm -hmm. was i I wish i wish this movie Mm. was um by you know some some of those masters of like body horror and stuff like that because they would really really fucking go for it and i'm not sure why she didn't the director um because she certainly certainly went for that in raw i felt um and so i don't know if she just got got hung up on this kind of you know last quarter of the film last half of the film's plot and that was really what was interesting to her um I'm not sure, but uh, it is curious that this film exists and it's it's being hailed as this like really edgy, weird thing. And it certainly is that in a lot of regards, but I don't think it's weird enough. So, yeah. All right. Robin Barr. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with Bill more, um, you know, given everything we knew about the film going in, which was sort of muddled, um, but I did you know, hear a few things that made me excited about it. Uh, I found that the parts that were supposed to be shocking, edgy, titillating were just sort of glossed over, um, which I would like to get more into later. Uh, so the, so the weirdnesses felt Mm -hmm. like not just the weirdnesses, but the things that were supposed to be totally entrancing about this movie just, kind of felt really short and not explicit and just kind of like okay like that's what everybody was gasping at I don't get it Um, and then we moved toward a plot that I had no idea was coming was just totally bizarre Uh, what I did enjoy about it was the uh, main performance I thought the the actress in that role was really really interesting really Mm -hmm. interesting to look at sexy uh, disarming and you know she 
she carried it for me. I also really liked uh, the male lead in the film, which we'll talk about. I, I almost don't even want to say what his part is because right, right. <laughs> you get into spoilers, but Spoiler. yeah, he was totally fantastic. Um, I mean, ultimately I just, I don't think it went far enough uh, as Bill was saying, like even the body horror elements could have been more, mm. uh, more striking. Uh, it just sort of like ends on, it's it sort of just like, okay, that's it. <laughs> like, that's what we were waiting the whole film for. And, you know, just, yeah, it didn't really go far enough for me. So I felt like, you know, I, I, it was fair. Um, I didn't, I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. Just kind of sat in the middle for me. I did read a really interesting review, however, from Jude Dry, who writes for IndieWire. Um, and they wrote a really interesting piece on the use of gender in this movie and how mm-hmm. the director, uh, in their opinion, it, you know, uses some tropes of gender transformation that felt transphobic to Jude. Um, so I, I kind of watched that film with that critique in mind and I thought it was, you know, valid in many ways. So, uh, you know, I'm not, I don't know if I would, I don't know if I am qualified to say whether this film is transphobic or not, but I think it does sort of appropriate a lot of images and maybe aspects of trans culture that didn't, that feels kind of strange to me, but we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, I, um, I didn't really enjoy a single instant of this movie. I don't think I like it's, it's, this isn't like an Alex Ross Perry level. Oh my God, I hated this and I want to burn it in a fire type of thing. Um, I just, I just, I feel like I summed it up best when I said on the Slack channel, uh, after having watched it, I feel like there is an obscure French law that I need to understand in order to get whatever this movie's like saying. Like, I need someone to walk over and be like, oh, right, yeah, no, for like six months, four years ago, you know, there was an obscure tax on, on like bread products, and this whole movie is a, <laughs> you know, weird Kafka esque kind of riff on that. And it'll be, oh, shit, oh, okay, I get it, right, yeah. No, no, no. The motor oil is uh, actually olive oil. Like it just there's something that I'm missing so completely. I just kept watching and I was like, it just feels like the movie is constantly being bored with itself. And is it, it, it reminds me of like a kid who starts off telling a story. Yes. <laughs> and then it's yes. just like, OK, I'm losing <laughs> I'm losing the audience. So what if we threw in another twist and suddenly the princess is a swamp monster and now <laughs> that swamp monster is a magician. And here's another <laughs> twist. It is modern day New York City. And it's just like, OK, OK, honey. But really, no, it's time to go to sleep. It's <laughs> I don't care if the bird has an accordion. You've got to you got to go to bed now. Um, But yeah, so. You know, I just, I don't know. I just, I was watching it and I was just like, I don't understand. I still don't understand what the plot is. I feel like we're very close to the end. And then I'm I'm kind of with Robin where the end happens and I'm like, but what does that mean? Like, what is the, what is the, <laughs> someone needs to, and I could have gone and looked up uh, other reviews of it, but I just like was so fine with it being over. And I was so certain that I would be able to facilitate a conversation on this podcast without really having to take much part in it that I just didn't, I didn't have time and I didn't make time to read any reviews. 
and I'm 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 sure I will. After I haven't this read pod- any reviews yet. Yeah, that's I don't usually try to read a review um, until after I've done the podcast uh, because mm-hmm. I am constantly feared that I will uh, steal someone else's point and not remember it. Um, so yeah, I uh, it's it's this thing that I did when I wrote reviews back in the day. Uh, I would never read anyone else's review first because I didn't want to use a turn of phrase. Or have my opinion polluted with like something where I could be accused of any kind of uh, plagiarism, and uh, it's it's uh, followed me into my uh, post uh, writing verbal review thing. So I just haven't heard anything. I'm looking forward to it. I think uh, it'll be interesting, but um, I just I just don't know. <laughs> I don't know that anything outside of like that again, like Rosetta Stone. Like here's what you have to understand about the French. You know, this was all about the the yellow vest riots. Like, oh, all right, yeah, no, of course, that makes a lot of sense to me. But um, no, I just, I kind of, I just was watching the whole time, and I was like, all right, okay, maybe I can get into this. Ah, oh, fuck, that's not the movie anymore. It's changed again. All right, well, maybe I, nope. All right, we're maybe that's and, the point, though. I know, but then it, that's then yeah, then I'm just stuck with the incredibly boring opinion of it's just not for me. <laughs> Yeah, but that's not boring. So, it's not for you, and, it, and that's fine. Yeah. Know? All right. Well, then, yeah. I mean, if that is the point, then it, I, you know, it works. It did it, uh, but it's not what I want, and it's not what I respond to, and therefore I was <laughs> confused and bored almost the entire time. Which is a weird thing to say in a movie that. Well, I was going to say something, but uh, it's a spoiler, so I'm not going to say it. But given the level of body horror <laughs> and how I usually respond to body horror, I was shocked by my own uh, a- ambivalence. Yeah, am, that's exactly how I feel. Yes, but I am looking forward to talking about it more. Um, so that's those are our those are our basic thoughts. Uh, hopefully, the people listening at home that helps you if you haven't seen the movie already to uh, make your determination as to whether or not you're going to seek it out. Um, I I honestly at this point I don't even know what counts as a, a spoiler because as I said it just keeps changing uh, to the point where it seems to forget its own plot points and I don't know what's technically a spoiler and what's just technically like the next thing that happens. So I'm going to say we're in the spoiler section now and we can talk about (laughs) whatever we want. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. I will say that the part of this movie that I was the most interested in was like the 14 minutes where it seems like a, uh, a weird, uh, just gender bent recreation of that movie, the imposter, the, the documentary about the, the Spanish, 20 something who pretends to be a teenager from texas that's that's a great one yes um but again it it just doesn't stick with that line but so yeah i mean i i think i let me just see if i can find it because there were this reminded me of a lot of different films in terms of uh influence um and i actually put i don't remember now because i'm so freaking uh sleep deprived from travel that I'm really, but I think I, I put a post on Twitter with my opinion of what the, this film seemed to have been influenced by. And I'm going to find that, you know, it's kind of like when people describe a film is like, this film is such and such meets such and such meets such as here it is. Titan is kind of like Holy Motors meets crash meets Rosemary's baby meets under the skin meets meets <laughs> R-A-Z-Y crazy meets demon seed meets, dot 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 because there's just because <laughs> um, I did feel like it, it really uh, it drew from or or resonated with me in terms of how those other films films resonated 
And of course, Rosemary's Baby and Demon Seed. And then there was one called The Stranger Within. There was a number of those films, 60s and 70s, this idea that uh, a child uh, in the womb transforms the mother into this, uh, you know, like possessed sort of creature and everything's changing. And you see someone on the plane when I was coming back was watching The Fly and I'd forgotten what a great film that is. Yeah. Great movie. Uh, Jeff Goldblum. And that, and I remember reading in back at the time when that came out that on some level what that film was, and I thought this was quite insightful, that this film is about what to do when a person you love is changing before your eyes or it gets very ill and is dying before your eyes. And how do you continue to weather that horror Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, that's a real body horror film, but it's also about like, what can you do when this, this is this inexorable march toward decay, you know? So in, in that way, it's, it's this existential thing, you know, like, well, we're all going to die. We're all in the process of decaying and dying, you know, as we speak. Um, so, but it, it, I, I mean, it's interesting to hear what other people saying and how, how a lot, a lot of you didn't find it, um, worthwhile and you did find it engaging or whatever i found it it's just fascinating from start to finish again like i said earlier i don't think it holds together narratively as tightly as i would wish but then i start so what i used to say to my students when they would be like oh this doesn't make sense or this this is you know they would dismiss something that i thought was was very good or whatever and i think people will sometimes do that and so what i would say to them is well what if Imagine that the director absolutely intentionally and with great preparation and thought and skill and artistry did that on purpose. What would be their reason for doing so? You know, so when I think about the structure of it and how, like, like all of you have articulated really well, how it jumps around, how it's towards one thing and then becomes another, you know, it's like, well, what is that about? What is that constant transformation of the narrative saying? Because in some way, the content of the narrative is about transformation as well in all kinds of ways. So I find myself thinking about the very beginning of the film, which starts out in this absolutely fascinating way. You got this really weird child in this car who's in love with the car. She is in love with the metal car. She's in love with the humming of the engine. She's obsessed with it. The accident occurs. She has the surgery. It absolutely defines her. The next thing we see is what she's doing for a living as a a very young woman, maybe 19 or 20. And that... I think she's older. I was about to say, I thought the movie defined her as like 32. Oh, okay. I mean, I was was thinking fairly young, maybe early 20s. She definitely looks younger, but I think they said something about how she's older no oh, i, I thought she was that. like late okay. 20s and then i think they said she okay. was even more than that but, um yeah like the 32 year old yeah. blah 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 spoiler alert <laughs> oh okay oh well, i missed that but but anyway what i was gonna say was and i'll finish it because i just talked for a long time but i i think that trajectory there are these like little mini trajectories within the film and that first trajectory from her childhood to that moment when she's doing what she does for a living which is dancing erotically on top of cars very erotically um, and then that scene in the garage with the 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 vintage car, which I thought was interesting, that it was this old vintage car. I still haven't worked out what that is all about. Although obviously it's a central event in the film for reasons maybe we will or won't reveal. <laughs> um, very interesting. Um, and then I just found myself thinking, okay, then there's this section, and then this section, and what is that progression? And it did do Corneau do that with intent? in a way that had something to do with form, with storytelling, with um, rites of passage, you know, different rites of passage. I don't know. I don't have an answer, but um, 
that I found interesting that it's almost like these vignettes that seem strung together that take it to a place and a time and a moment. And um, I honestly never knew what was going to happen next. And I like that. And I, and, and I, and sometimes I, that happens and I, it's lazy storytelling to me, but that it, that's not how I felt about this. Do you know what I mean? Should we talk about the scene that we're talking around? Well, so, I mean, it's, the car, there's, yeah. there's a lot of things we, that, to, to talk about. I mean, like it's, this is one of those situations where I almost wish that like we could just go scene by scene through the movie. Cause it, it, mm-hmm. it, like I said, it's one of those things where it's just like, Oh my God, like it just keep like the movie just keeps happening to you. And you're just right. like, it does. like, <laughs> kind, you know, of, kind we, of like puberty and sexual maturity. Yes. <laughs> other, other body processes. That's what I mean. It's like, it's just this inexorable, like progression through, um, stuff. Yeah. Cause like it, it, op- like you said, it opens with the, the, the kid humming along with the engine Mm-hmm. And then, like, unbuckling the seatbelt. And then the father just, like, flipping the fuck out and yeah. <laughs> getting into And then the it. music. Can we talk about the music? Because that song, Wayfair and Stranger, that then occurs later on when yes. uh, Alexia's dancing again. Yep. yep. And if it, do you don't, do y'all know the song? Do you know what the song's about? It's a, I, I know it because actually it was featured to great effect in uh, 1917. Right. Um, but that is, that is like, my uh my one experience with it it's a song about death yeah Hmm. you know um you know i am a poor wayfaring stranger traveling through this world of woe there's no sickness no toil no danger this bright so and so it's about death but it's also connected to the civil war i believe it's also Hmm. if you've ever seen the film um oh it, it was this this like scandinavian film about this band that does like bluegrass music what was it called the um the know, the, the broken circle anymore. oh it's a great film actually oh and they, it broke they actually, is that, that no is it that song is featured breakdown? in that too yes broken circle breakdown okay broke circle breakdown thank you i couldn't remember the name that which was a stage uh, show and then became a, a a film and that and then they became a real band as a result of doing a what? um doing the show Awesome. But anyway, I got thinking, like, why is that song? It's one thing to have it on the radio in the beginning. Oh, maybe the guy just kind of likes old folk music. And then yeah. there's an, a contemporary version of it that's then featured in that that scene in the firehouse. Yes. So I found that kind of interesting. Yeah. What I mean, exactly? Like, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I mean, uh, you know, you start off with that and then you go to her dancing on the car and then you go to the world's most awkward shower. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then you have her uh murder oh, right. guy. And did you notice that 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 was the young woman who was in raw and she had the same name as the character in raw justine yep. I so i found that. myself thinking oh this is justine i wonder if she's still a cannibal <laughs> we will never know <laughs> yeah we will never know unfortunately can you Wait, imagine hold if, on it, a if it was like a cinematic universe yeah like it was the same actress um garance marillier who played Justine in Raw, and her character name in Titan is also Justine, which I thought was interesting. And she would have been around the same age because just because Justine in Raw was about sixteen years old, and mm-hmm. in this one she's like like in her twenties or whatever. Yeah, and then she's uh, and then she's dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a spoiler. Well, I mean, we're in the spoiler section. Like, we can now talk about the movie. You know, soup to nuts. Which is a, a t- idiom that I am aware of, but do not know what its reasoning is. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, what you eating a meal? I know, but like, do you soup start with soup course, and then you and the get nuts, nuts are the at the last end? course. I have never no, had you, nuts you, as the last course. Soup is first, then you have the fish course, then the salad course, then the main course, then dessert, then you have cheese, and then you have nuts after the cheese. This is the fanciest. English, I've never had a meal that fancy. <laughs> it goes All on. Right, it then. goes on for a long time. Cool. All right. Well, now I know. Um, I'm glad I've never eaten that because I am not a fan of fish. So the fish course would be just extremely awkward for me. Um, but yeah. So, uh, Robin, what were you going to say? I'm curious what her what her profession is because I know what a stripper is, I know what a car show is. Mm-hmm. I'm not familiar with the mixing of the two, and I wasn't sure if this was a real. A I real think it's it's thing? ramped up. I think it's a ramped up way of selling cars. I think they eroticized it a little more than usual, but it's definitely a thing now that sexy women are used to sell cars and to rent cars and all that. It's a car show thing. So there is, there is a, in, in like, um, in expo and, uh, the convention culture, there is something that is derogatorily called a booth babe. Mm -hmm. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's basically a, a, an attractive woman who is hired to be eye catching and to draw people in. If, if you go to just a regular fucking auto show, just yeah. like the Detroit auto show, you know, Texas has one at the state fair every year and blah, blah, blah. Like, I mean, you know, they are not hired to be booth babes, but they definitely hire attractive women to then talk to people about the car. And this mm-hmm. is just a, a modified version of this. I've seen this at boats. I've seen this at, uh, you know, uh, import auto shows. And these are obviously not like these are not rolling off the factory in Detroit if anything rolls off the factory in Detroit anymore but um, you know these are not standard cars these are customized car that car that she made love to is very noticeably like a low rider with like you know the whole hydraulic system and everything like that right so you know I think I don't I don't know what it is because I've definitely seen those photos of the women. I've never really gone to one of those conventions, but I've definitely seen the photos, the results of that. And um, yeah, I mean, they'll dance provocatively near the vehicles, not usually on the vehicles. That's kind of like a a big Mm -hmm. no, no, because, you know, obviously you're going to scratch the car or do do whatever. Um, So, you know, it, it, like like our guest is saying, I definitely think this is, you know, a heightened version yeah, of Yeah, exactly. They 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 kick it up a notch for the film. It's like it is obviously like parodying that whole that whole culture, you know. Like, well, what if I it was really a like more extreme scenes. version in in France, you know. I like the scenes. I like scenes in general in film where women own their sexuality. Mhm. Um and it, I just thought it was like really well done visually. Uh, like I love the cinematography, cinematography of that moment. I love the costuming. Um, I love the actress's face. And I actually don't know how to pronounce her name. Um, I mean, everything about it just really worked for me. I would say like the first 15, 20 minutes of the movie really intrigued me. Um, and so I'm sorry, Brian, you were going through sort of like, chronologically <laughs> i mean there's there's no way that about. that was gonna last i'm just saying like you know we we begin and then we get to the murder and and then we move on from that and it's just like 
I don't know. Like, I guess one of my problems is like in in the the I like I don't know what's driving her. I don't know what her motivation is. I don't know. Like, she clearly doesn't want to get caught. But like, why is she fucking murdering all these people in the first place? Like, what's she didn't getting get out any of, of it? I, See, I that think, was I think that's I think that's me. really a, a really good question because in a way, if you can't if you can't answer that, it's very hard to ascribe other motivation to that character. By the way, the actress I think you pronounce it Agathe Roussel. I got like Agatha. It's like Thank French you. Agatha. Yeah. <laughs> I got um so like yeah, why it, why is she a serial killer? And then I think about the title, okay? She ha- she has a piece of titanium in her head. But she was vibing with the metal objects before she before, got that surgery. Right, right. So then and then if you think about and I'm not going to spoil this now because we're not quite at that at that moment of spoilage in the film, but at the very end, think about that very final image of that being that we see. Mhm. And then so that made me think about, okay, what is this saying about this idea of, um, you know, hybrid humans, you know, or a, a, a being that is, is an, has an alien hybrid of some kind. Hence my, what I was talking about the, with the fly earlier or whatever, or some of these films like uh, the D- demon seed where Julie Christie is impregnated by an alien or the stranger within where uh, when that baby is born, it's part metal also. And this, uh, idea that if perhaps this character Alexia is you know maybe there was something about her to begin with maybe this maybe there's this overarching sort of gloss to the story that has to do with what humanity is turning into you know and 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 I know this all sounds very conceptual and maybe a little bit too um uh obscure but um and how is that connected to what she does and how is it connected to the whole, you know, the, the, the subplot or whatever, or this, the commentary, I would say it's, it's film comments upon gender, um, which, which may be problematic for some people and not for others. But um, what is, what is it saying about the human condition? I guess if you want to get really artsy, you want to say, well, every film should be about that. What is this film saying about the human condition? You know, when you're talking about what does this character want, you know, some characters want something very basic, like they want to not die. They have to cross the desert and they want to not die while they do it. Or they want the love of this person or they want all this money from doing a thing or they want recognition for doing this thing. What does this person want? It's not really clear. No, I what mean, and, Alexia and that was, wants. It's that's kind of my, one of my issues <laughs> yeah. with the movie is I just I, yeah. I kept I kept waiting for. And you know, what you said is very true because you could say like, oh, like really, like what what does X movie have to say about the human condition? But it like it does give you an insight into what the writers or the director think of people, you know, depending on how people react to how people in a movie act, you know. So like it could be a very very dumb movie or movie that positions itself as dumb. But like if you have a heroic main character who refuses to quit then that at least is letting you know that, you know, perseverance is a is a a thing that is prized by the people who made this movie. Yeah. You know? and, and also, like I that, think that 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 can even if you what you're saying, like it's a it's quote bad movie or a dumb movie or whatever, hmm. if that's portrayed really well, if the strength of that character's intention and determination to obtain that intention is played really well, then it becomes a really engaging film, even if it's something that's kind of lowbrow. You know, like, uh, you know, the wedding singer or something like that or something highbrow with the same actor like Punch Drunk Love. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's, it's all if you have some. And also that's a, he's a very good actor. So uh, who, who'd have thought who'd have thought it? <laughs> but um, <laughs> you, it, 
so it's about that. It's like, can we root for this person? But in recent years, the people we root for tend to be anti-heroes. You know, they tend to be sociopathic. They tend to be deeply flawed. They tend to be, you know, have done terrible things. And we're still expected to root for them. And that's, that's very, it's a very complex ask of audiences to root for people that are terrible. And yet increasingly we see this is very, very common. And we're seeing it in television too. I mean, I guess Breaking Bad is the quintessential example of that. Um, Brian Cranston's character being, you know, uh, a perfect anti-hero in many ways. Well, look at uh, Don Draper or... Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Tony Soprano. <laughs> mm-hmm. I started watching yeah, so... The Sopranos finally. <laughs> hey. Good hey. show. Hey, are you a stupido? God. <laughs> Why? Gabagool. <laughs> All right, let's move on. <laughs> We're um, embarrassments. Yeah. I, oh, my God. Um, but yeah, so just, again, to reiterate, like, I don't, like, I never, I was never on the inside. So it almost is funny to me when people say like, Oh, this, this movie is commenting on gender or something. Cause I'm like, it's not really like it. I don't feel. Well, well why don't do you f- think it's not though? I mean, just, I think that's, it's, that's such a huge part of this film. I though. think it is a huge part Cause of it doesn't film. feel like we get to, I, I think the way that the movie shifts makes it difficult to track a, an emotional or psychological through line for the character for me at least. So like, I don't note any, any difference between her in her female guys and her in her male guys, except that when she's pretending to be Adrian, she's not fucking murdering people anymore, which I was confused by because it really seemed like she was compulsive in her, her homicidal machinations. But as soon as she cuts all her hair off and breaks her nose, she's pretty much got it all under control. Yeah, but let's let's unpack that for a moment, though, if you don't mind. Because I would love what to. I, what I was noticing was that the people that she murders, for the most part, although not across the board, but she begins, we see that she begins doing that because a man sexually assaults her. So it's often when she's often, when she does that, she's going after men who are threatening her bodily safety. That's only that's one though. Right. Like yeah, that woman that she sleeps, that she almost. Yeah. That yeah. I didn't say that I didn't get. So, so that, so, so that, that I was just about to say though, and you, you, you rightly pointed to, to the flaw in my logic because it's true. <laughs> like, well, why isn't that like everything? Also, so that's it, the thing. It's like, it starts out, but, but we're, we're seeing that she, she has obviously this hatred of human beings and, and, or she's a sociopath or a psychopath. She's probably a psychopath. But like when it starts out by saying, oh, OK, she's kind of a reasonable murderer. She kills someone that threatens her physical safety. But then it turns out she just kills people because they're inconvenient to her. Like, oh, this person might reveal who she is or this person is standing in her way. So she's I mean, she, is, you know, is, she also full on kills her parents. Now, do we now? What did she do? Did she I saw she locked their bedroom door and like set the house and set the fire. Them. Uh, but also, I'd have to I, go I, back to the movie, but I'm pretty sure that she, that's that guy is not the first person she's killed. Yeah, because there's yeah, because a she was kind of wanted by then, wasn't yeah, she? Yeah, there's a news yeah. story that's like, hey, another and fucking maybe think person. about that. Like, who else has she killed? I would like to have to have yeah, seen like when see, like seeing the first murder seems to me like that would have been a great plot point to show us 
who how she became who she was. Right. Like if it was, killer. To, if it was oh, she's like just killing another person now. Right. If it did begin defensively and then just escalate into like, well, you yeah. know, sex isn't doing it. Sex with humans, pardon me, is not doing it for me anymore. <laughs> I think I'm going to kill a woman. I, I did find it interesting. Wait, sex with humans, but women aren't human? No, no, because she then it seems to enjoy having sex with a car. Right. So she's like, you know, she she's realizing that like any kind of, you know, person is not going to please her. And so then she has to escalate to murder to feel something. But she can uh. still feel like erotic sexual pleasure with an automobile. Hmm. Which is a sentence that I just got to say out loud. Hey. Yeah, <laughs> probably not about any other movie will you be able to say that. No, I wouldn't think so. I I want to I want to ask a question real quick. Please do. Um, because it happens early in the film and it kind of struck me uh, as something interesting that I noticed didn't necessarily follow through throughout the rest of the film. Um, that first murder scene, and I don't want to get too much into biology and stuff like that. I understand that, like, I guess if you stab someone in the ear, maybe you're going to get, like, pus and stuff like that. Oh, my God, wasn't that disgusting? That was but foam. why... But yeah, why was wasn't foaming. it blood? Because right. she, uh, so I believe that the foaming was because he was seizing. Okay. So it wasn't pus. It was, it was, okay. he, have you, it was his have you seen head. anyone have it's, a seizure uh, it pill? Seemed, it seemed to be coming out of his ears. Though. No, it was definitely coming from his mouth. Yeah, because he, yeah, yeah. right. So, so in other words, she was so good at it. She knew the exact right spot to cause a seizure. Yeah. And uh, I guess, oh. I don't know. Yeah, yeah that no, was she she hit him right where she needed to, and he seized and then died. And um, okay, foam, yeah, I was about to say when my it dog just... was dying, when she'd seize, there would be a lot of foam coming out of her mouth. So lovely. Was, well, I have firsthand knowledge of seizures that precede death, so <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Hi, Vasemir. Um, okay, can we talk about the car fucking? Because I really, yes. really I don't feel like we need that. to. That doesn't feel like it's that big of a plot point. <laughs> Okay, I'm so joking. that's a huge I plot point. I'm fucking no, joking. I'm sorry. Wow, wow, Brian. Okay, I didn't realize so, how fucking hard people would come for me after I said that. <laughs> well, someone came hard in a car. That's all. I hey, on a car. Yes, but um, um. So top three car we'll fucking movies: The Counselor, Teton, Crash. Right? Are there any others? So I Christine, will say, Cars Three. <laughs> oh, right, right. Car stream. <laughs> <laughs> when I uh, was told what the plot of this movie is, basically a woman has sex with a car. Uh, That's the entire I, plot you were told? I, well, I just sort of like sort of That's saw. Interesting. I didn't know anything about the, ugh, I don't even know, the gender look, 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 transformation. Look, look, let's, let's be honest. When we started talking about this, we started joking it was the car fucking movie instead of the fish fucking movie. Yes. Right. Yes. Like, like that was the joke. So that, that definitely has, it has followed this film in terms of ever since it got released, people have kind of known and that's, I, it's, I replication. will say, I thought there'd be more car fucking like the exactly. way that people, yes. so this yes. is something yeah. that I, yeah, I have I brought up for that to come back actually. Like this, where, why wasn't there more of that? Right. This is something or that I've brought a up U-turn. a few times. These, these hey. festival movies, they almost always have one thing that people latch onto. It's like when we watched Mandy and I was like, the fucking cheddar goblins only in this thing for 20 seconds. (laughs) I was led to believe he'd be like a strong supporting character. 
So that's what the car fucking was in this. The twenty second thing that I yeah, thought would be. It was like okay, that's it. So I, in my mind, I'm like, oh, she has sex with the exhaust pipe. Does not occur to me that she just is full on what I presume is just humping the. I don't even know. So here's the thing that that was interesting about it, though. She she is she's tied down with these ribbon things, but there's no part of the ribbon things are the belts, the the yeah the seat belts. Okay, but but there's no part of the car. There's no part of the car that enters her. Oh, I disagree. I think it's the drive shaft or whatever it's called. No, no, because she was in the back seat. What? She's in the back seat. And if you look at the shot, if you look at how it's filmed, you see her crotch. She's still dressed. She has panties on. It's very skimpy, but she still has clothes on. There is no part of the car that enters her vagina. It's almost like she is in there having she's this just, intense masturbatory experience without benefit of she's scissoring the car. Touching her. She could be scissoring or it's not touching her. And it's all just because she's got strong, you know, muscles and like whatever. That's so fucking it's, dumb. Which is all very erotic and cool. But. The point is that she is impregnated after this occurs. Yeah, like the and Virgin that's what's Mary. And everyone yeah, knows like that the only way a car Virgin can Mary impregnate thing. you is if there's penetration. Yes, I mean, in my apparently mind, not. Have, what's the thing he called? Re put it the in Holy neutral? Spirit. The the, the <laughs> like the, the shifter. The gear shift. The gear shift. The gear yeah. shift. Okay, I just got my driver's license. No, like that's the thing ago. is that she's she's in there. She's having ethereal sex with this car. That's fucking Even though dumb. it's a very physical scene, it's ethereal. And so it's an ethereal pregnancy. And that is fucking fascinating to and me. And also it's because right after she's to, murdered. I'm sorry, that just, guy. just may finish my thought. Yeah. So and then it kind of speaks to the again, what's going back to this, like what is this humanity hybrid thing? And then it, you then you get into like this whole technology as this godlike presence in our lives. And I think that the that Titan, the idea of her as this kind of cyborg-like or half-hybrid metal human, robot human, whatever, which we see in other films, obviously lots of them like um what was that one with uh, oscar isaac um the alex garland film oh ex machina yes ex machina which i had a lot of problems with but um that whole idea so in a way and of course i would have liked to have seen more of this because again it's just yet one more theme out of many in this film but like if she's having this this ethereal non-penetrative sex with this car and it impregnates her like, what is that saying about the power of her connection, her love for cars? Who is she? Who the fuck is she? She came into this world, this weird kid, obsessed with cars, in love with them. We're making a lot of judgments on her as a child. The only thing we know is that she was humming along to the sound of the engine. She doesn't kiss no, and hug the car until after her, her brain gets she, hurt. No, but when she gets out of her surgery to get the metal plate in her head, she goes over to the car and embraces it and kisses it. Yes, she and was I interested in seeing her parents. She was in love with that car, and she couldn't wait to embrace it again. She you, really hated her dad too. There was yeah. definitely tension. So in wait, that car. I do. I have a question. Do we believe that her love of the car was from before the accident, or was that a result of the accident? No, it's before. I think she, before. Okay, she was humming was. along with the sound of the car. She wasn't listen, wanting to talk to her dad or listening to anything or looking at. Anything. She was humming along with the car because she was vibing with the car. Oh, okay. I thought she was like, I thought she came out. No, because they say like after the accident, like look for any neurological issues. And then she like goes and hugs and kisses the car. I will say, however, my daughter hugs the car and I pray that she doesn't grow up to start murdering someone. I don't think she's ever kissed it, but I mean, she's a kid. She kisses a lot of things. She kisses like dolls, Mm -hmm. the dog, the cat. She'd probably kiss the snake. Is your daughter this age? I don't know. How old was she when she got a plate in her head? 
Like tennis. She looks no, like eight. No, my daughter's or 10. five. So. She like eight, yeah. Yeah. So you're saying I've got three more years before I have to worry that the, the kissing of inanimate objects is going to turn into a homicidal tendency. <laughs> I, I wouldn't worry about but, it. But. Uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think we have to extrapolate that far. But yeah. yeah. All right. This, this movie's well, obviously uh, watch extreme this space. and intense. <laughs> I'm so disappointed that she didn't actually fuck the car. Well, like, so first right. of all, you know, how dare you try to define sex as purely, uh, you know, you could penetrate with the gear shift or whatever you called it. Sex doesn't have to be penetrative to be an expression of love. OK, no, but sex ought to be penetrative oh, okay. to result in, pe- in pregnancy. Do you know what I mean? It's, it, it was very erotic. And yeah. You need to have that. But in order for her to become pregnant with whatever this car's equivalent of sperm or seed is. Yeah, the like fact motor that's, oil. that's again, that, again, that's what I think is so interesting. They they physicalize the presence of the car in her body as she as mm-hmm. she's the pregnancy is gestating with this, you know, her breasts expel motor oil and she's got motor oil coming out of her wherever. And so, um, yeah, she tries to perform when I say wherever, an but. abortion with her <laughs> her hair stabbing device. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that too doesn't doesn't work. Can't make it happen. Because I'll tell you when the worst time to try a self-administered abortion is when you're in the middle of a date. <laughs> um Well, I'm sure it would be the first time anyone's done that, nor will it ever, you know, be the last, but uh cancel the date. <laughs> well, she she it was it was kind of a, a sudden decision that she made, I think. Go to a cracker barrel yeah. bathroom like the rest of us. Um <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know why I decided to bring Cracker Barrel into this. It's a great restaurant. <laughs> it's um, very French. Very French. Yeah, you know how the French love Cracker Barrel. Um, but yeah, yeah. I okay. So here's the. Th- so we're talking I, about this, and you know, she kills someone, she fucks a car, and then I'm like, oh, she's killed a bunch of people. She's gonna have great sex with that car again, and she does not go back to the car. We I never know. see it again. Never fucks another car the whole movie. Doesn't never really seem to no, have any interest. No, she fucks interest. something else real quick. Doesn't she in the in the firehouse or whatever? It was like some other vehicle. I mean, she's well, dancing on top. No, at some point she does fuck. Maybe That's it was the right. fire. So, so can we talk a little bit about the the fact that um, not, and not, well, I know we've already spoiled a lot of things, but the fact that she uh, went uh the you know, when she's determined that she's going to pretend to be this missing kid who comes back 10 years later. And the fact that uh, your father is a a firefighter, a captain of the firefighters, and she works with firefighters, this, uh, you know, occupation known for toxic masculinity. (laughs) She works, you know, as the, as the, you know, the, the car uh, dancer thing in this like toxic masculine environment so I mm-hmm. mean I think to say that the the gender stuff is not um, a really big part of this this film's you know thematic content is um, you know I, th- I think that's uh, disingenuous I think it's it's a really huge part of it and I I mentioned briefly earlier but I noticed there's if you go back and this is one of those things that um, I mean I tend to notice right away because it's kind of one of my favorite things about watching a movie and I taught a course on it but uh, if you go back and you look at the color structure of this film it's very heavily pink and blue. Like the lighting, mm. the costumes, it's pink and blue. There are even scenes where it's just extremely intricate pink and blue color structure. And so, uh, not the, to get the too firefighters, obvious, the, the firefighter father's uh, bathroom is pink. Yes, exactly. And um, 
and there's a lot of pink lighting in some of those scenes and there's pink lighting, like there's pink light on her when she's dancing in the firehouse and the firefighters mm-hmm. don't quite know what to think of this person <laughs> doing this erotic <laughs> dance. That was great. That's a great yeah. scene. But so I think that it, it, I don't think there's obvious commentary about gender, but I think there's a lot, it's teeming with commentary about gender. Mm-hmm. Um, what it's supposed to mean. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I'm, I understand I have some thoughts about it, but I don't want to say something and sound like an idiot because I could be completely off base. And on, on some level, it doesn't matter what the filmmaker intended with that, although it's very intentional given the, that lighting and that color design. But um, do we know what the director's saying? You know, I don't know. And I don't think that's necessarily up for interpretation because everyone might put something else on it. But I was interested in what you said earlier, Robin, which is that um, there was one critic that expressed – um, thoughts that it, it was sort of a negative um, portrayal of of transgender status. Yes, and uh, what Jude wrote about specifically were things like the the use of binding tape and how that was actually right, both right. triggering and also right. um, a trope that no longer seems relevant to a lot of trans people's mm-hmm. lives. Like that's what Jude but like was is I and this is a fucking minefield that I shouldn't be bothering to get into. But like, this isn't. Is this is this is like not a trans narrative? Like she doesn't. Yes, it's feel... not a trans narrative, but it is using tropes of trans, trans tropes and trans. But yeah. is trans it a imagery. trope to say yeah. that a person yes. who wants to appear to be male but is is female it, it would have to find a way to conceal her breasts? Like, isn't that just a? Isn't that just something someone would have to do in order to try to pull off this con? It's not so much a con. I think it's a survival thing at that point because she's wanted for murder as a woman. Well, yes, but she's still so trying she to pull to... one over on someone. So, like, it's yeah. you know, it's she's not trying she's to. She's also trying to hide money. the fact that she's pregnant. I mean, there's yes. that too. That's another. That was also absolutely ridiculous. Right? Like, yeah. Every single scene. Oh no, like, because she's got a, a. She looks like she's nine months pregnant, and then the next scene, she's rail thin. Yes. I don't. Yes, that yeah, Ace exactly. Bandage is doing like yes. some kind of God's <laughs> work. <laughs> well, but it, I, it's got it's got great sound design. Yeah, the, uh, the so sound of it. Yeah, it yeah, is funny that she appears sound. to be using the same Ace Bandage for all I, I don't know, know six days that this movie takes place over. Oh yeah, it was. It was leaving really big welts on her skin, which I thought was, I think she was again not just not just body horror, more body horror, but symbolic. If you're going to think about this binding as this like harmful, torturous, you know, uh, assault on the flesh, and also just like like symbolically and and um, metaphorically, what this is about. I mean, I think there's a lot of metaphor in this film right. that some of it very strong and heavy-handed, and some not so much. And she's and itching I, constantly too, because it's like it's a filthy bandage that she's like. Ew. It's like if you were wearing the same shirt every day. But it she's was itching too. Shirt. Well, when you've noticed when she really scratches hard and she breaks through her own skin, and there's something yeah. that pokes out. There's that, that also. That that's that's another thing that's kind of interesting because, I, I mean, I don't know too much about pregnancy, but I feel like <laughs> whatever is there in internally is there when you're pregnant too besides the baby right like you don't grow a different uh subcutaneous layer underneath your belly 
Do you, as a woman? I don't know that much what? about well, biology, but well, so, I don't I mean, feel first like of all, you can would I remind grow... everyone? We keep talking about penetration and sperm and stuff. She gets pregnant from a car, so there there is going to be aspects of this pregnancy that may not align. Yeah, it's not going to be well, your normal. That's, 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 that's very that's that's very obvious. But yes, to Bill's but point, what I'm asking it, it is weird I'm... that she cuts through her skin and then appears to have a solid steel like ball in her body because right. That is, you know, yeah, uh, you know, generally. It's a great image. It's a great image, but it, I don't think it means anything. Like, I, yeah. it must well, mean I, something. They did I'm it for fine. a purpose, but I cannot discern the meaning readily and have not been able to in the four days since I watched this movie. I'm- I'm fine with that being a thing that I don't necessarily have to have answered, but I yeah. was just curious, yeah. like, is is that a development that happens in a woman's body or is that just something wholly created for this film? And they were like, this is a really cool visual. Let's go with this. I, and then that way she can actually give birth to a hybrid human. Right. And it doesn't like tear her innards apart. You know, but the too baby bad, I is guess. baby sized. It's it's got metal in yes, its spine, well, but I it's mean, not made we, of we razor blades. You know, we don't know. I mean, we don't really get a good so, view of that baby at all. To be honest with you, all we, we get see a is fair really view it's, of the baby. You see a metal spine and a metal plate yeah. in its head. Yeah, yeah, and that's about uh, it. I, can, um, I, I have a thought I want to share. Sure. Not tr- I'll try to keep it brief. So here was the thought that I had, and how this film sort of culminated for me in terms of the gender thing. And we're looking at this idea that this child is born who we could say is a monstrous child. She's weird. She's got a thing for cars. She may be autistic or something. Things that we used to use. We used to think of people who are autistic as kind of monstrous. We think of people with all kinds of disabilities and things that we now understand much better in the old days. So there was a lot of stigma around different kinds of developmental disabilities and different things like that. So here's this this kid who's unusual. She has this accident. She has something put into her body that perhaps makes her more of what she is or perhaps damages her in a way that makes her something other than what she should have been. Then we have this child that um, uh, ostensibly kills her parents, kills other people, uh, then latches on to this person who thinks that she may be his long lost son. She has to find a way to relate to this person and fool him so he'll continue to keep her safe and protect her because she's wanted by the law. She does what she has to to survive. She Before that, she's impregnated by this car because she has sex with this car. She's in love with cars and finds them sexy and erotic. Can't connect with humans on that level, connects with cars. Is having this car child hybrid being in her body. Anyway, so to jump forward, so what, what, I, I seem to, what happens with the father, the transformation that occurs in both their lives is they begin to understand each other. As, and it's weird and it's shocking and it's strange and it's also tender and heartbreaking at the same time and it's horrible. Um, what they finally come to, the understanding they come to is acceptance. They accept each other. He accepts who she is and that she's not his son, but he accepts mm-hmm. that she's a human being in need of his help. She accepts that he's not the perfect person. You know, He's a toxic male guy. He injects fucking testosterone into himself because he can't handle the fact that he's aging, you know? So, like, they accept each other, they help each other, they have love for each other in that moment. They're two vulnerable humans helping each other. And the baby I see as this thing that kind of speaks to what if every single one of us is a product of all the horrible things that have come before in our legacy, and our ancestry, out in the world, in the environment. It all comes together. We're these imperfect, monstrous beings 
And the only thing we can do that we can cling to in this life is finding a way to sort of help each other get through it and accept the monstrousness that is in each of us. I mean, maybe that's putting too much of a, you know, sort of a spiritual or whatever gloss over it. But I found that ending as weird as it was and as disjointed as the whole thing leading up to it was, I found that all so incredibly moving and powerful, mm-hmm. you know, and it, for me, it was, it was powerful because of what those two people, those two adults became to each other in those, in those desperate moments. Um, I think, I think the journey, I think the journey there there's there's a critical scene that happens in the bathroom when she's getting dressed and she has just a towel on and mm-hmm. i think the towel slips at some point mm-hmm. and even before the towel slips he confronts her and says to her i don't care who you are right, i exactly. love you yes. like and and then the towel slips it's revealed exactly you know that she's pregnant that she's mm-hmm. very much a female that you know all of these things are going on and yeah. so he just slips the towel back over her right. and it's it's this beautiful moment of acceptance and i think mm-hmm. what's really interesting is the people around her seem look she was hooking up with a woman that had a bunch of other people that were naked walking around her house. I'm not going to make any judgment calls, Mm -hmm. but maybe she wasn't necessarily (laughs) uh, surrounding herself with the, with the best. Uh, Were Uh, they all naked? Weren't they just like in relaxing at home, probably about to go to sleep clothes. Yeah. Uh, no, the black guy was definitely butt ass naked. No, he fucking wasn't. (laughs) Yeah. But what's wrong with walking around naked? I mean, first of all, they're French. (laughs) <laughs> again, 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 and it's their own damn house who is this straight for, yeah there's nothing no, wrong with no, naked. you don't get to Let's fucking murder someone because you're in their house and you don't like how who, they're wandering who the fuck around said, also who said i don't that, think he was Brian? naked what i don't think i just need to Ooh. i need to say i don't believe he was fully naked someone go check the tape i don't but uh, i don't think if he was naked it was a problem he was trying to help her he was not a threat to anyone because he was naked, just as he wasn't a threat to anyone because he was the only black person there. I mean, I, being I, naked is not a threatening way to be. Right, that house naked is makes you big. Wait, that I house is disagree. Clean. I feel like so, nakedness is threatening to some degree. No, nakedness is incredible. I find nakedness to be incredibly vulnerable. It is, yeah. but it's also threatening. If, okay, know. like, I'm not saying she be should both. have been afraid of him. The reason she killed him was not because he was a naked guy in his own house. She killed him because he was a witness yeah. to right. other murders. Right. <laughs> I thought she actually was going to let him live because he was being really nice to her. No, because she, mm-hmm. this is... This is a we, dickhole. Now we're back to She's me and her inconsistent characterization. Yes. <laughs> because right, I right. just kept waiting for her to start fucking murdering some firemen. And she doesn't yeah. touch a damn one of them. <laughs> no, that's not well, true. Doesn't yeah, she? She, she tries to kill the father. To, yeah. She tries to kill the father, like full on right. tries. Yeah. Um, and and I think had she done that, I think that murder spree would have continued from that point on as well. I think she would yeah. have then probably turned because I don't know how it seemed like that place was kind of a fortress to get into in a way right. like he had to pass like a gate system to even get onto the facility. So I think if yeah. for her to get out, she would have probably had to kill, you know, at least right. one other person or something. Um, Bill, but, I wanted but, to go back to something you said a second ago. Um, you were talking about that scene where the father accepts Adrian 
Well, can can I make yeah, my final ahead. point real no, quick? Yeah. So what I'm saying is I don't necessarily think that she was surrounding herself with the quote unquote most normal people in a lot of ways. Um, I don't know how, you know, I'm not going to try and make judgments on people in that way, but you know, there, there were some interesting things. Uh, the fact that the woman that she tries to hook up with at first, uh, she tries to bite her nipple ring off and then is like, Eh, fuck it. All right. Hey, that was weird. But, uh, you, you want to come back to my place and still hook up? I was like, that's, that seems like a, like just a, a big red flag. Um, well, I mean like, you know, it's, and she's she, not listening. She, uh, she doesn't try to do it again. You got that going. I don't know. I, you're, you're making a lot of judgments on people that I feel are just very unfair and possibly prejudicial. Okay. Like that's fine. to say like, she's not surrounded. Like that's like just, the, the house is huge. These people are clearly, like, well-off and very nice. Like, none of them are like, who the fuck are you? They're like, oh, hey, what's up? And they're then she hurt. murders a bunch naked. of them. <laughs> like, yeah. it's... And, you I, know... I'm, I'm not like, saying if that If you're kissing someone is, is and they justified. bite your lip a little too hard and you say, hey, man, that's too hard, are you going to be like, all right, you can go the fuck away? Or are you going to, like, you know, give them another chance? Like... Well, the way that sequence played out to me was she was like, ow, and then the woman kept going, and then she goes, ow, and the woman kept going, and she goes, ow, and then slaps her, doesn't get an apology for it, doesn't, like, nothing, and then is like, okay, fine, whatever. I guess we can continue to hook up. I'm not going to say that, I mean, it's, ow is not something that I was you, not no no it's not it's not I like I don't know how I don't want to get into how, hey let's play a game of how kinky have we been in the past but there are times when <laughs> you yeah, have some people to like pain during sex some people and the and there's a whole culture around piercing that I mean I'm just gonna say uh is is, is has to do with that the kinds of uh getting close to that level of pain that can be inf- inflicted or yeah. experienced in terms of how the, the piercings work so that's a whole that's a thing but but I did want to just go back to something that Bill said earlier, which was that uh, that whole scene where the father says that he accepts, you know, Adrian, I don't care who you are, whatever. Um, I think that to go back to what Robin was saying earlier, in a way that is, to me, a big commentary on um, transgenderism, because it's it's kind of about this whole thing, like all all these ways in which people see differently sexed people um, people of different types of sexual expression and identity as threatening, as scary, as freaks, as whatever. I think that uh, the idea that this film, exp- you know, if one looks at part of the metaphorical language of this film as being about that, then I think there's some very, very powerful, th- powerful things being said about what it is to go through life experience experiencing that as people look at you as this monstrous but she's not exactly being she's she's not being viewed as monstrous the whole movie she's met with nothing but people who are caring for her or physically attracted to her and want to be close to her and her response is to murder them up until this guy and I don't understand. Right, but, that, but I think that's a legitimate critique also, because what if someone feels that like in some ways people are just you know viewing them in, in a physical way and what what they're putting out there physically when inside they don't feel like a complete person because they're not being who they really are. Mm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm just, it's hard to it's hard to um, articulate what I'm saying, but um, 
I mean, I know what you mean. Like, like she's worshipped or whatever, but she's also completely objectified in that yeah, worship. There are men I, that are in love with her who don't have any idea who she is. Right, and that's... I don't necessarily think the worship is 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 building her her up in a way that right, she necessarily I, wants. But I don't think that Vincent is the father, you know, is is particularly attached to her as a real person anyway. She's a, a, an emotional yeah. cipher for his missing son. So yes, if anything, totally. she's being yeah. objectified in a completely different way because she's just a panacea for the deep, deep right. grief that is never going to be fixed in this man. Right. And how so, is so that? everyone's projecting onto her. Everyone's projecting on her all the time. She's just looking for, like, the best projection. But I don't understand why this is the one because she's still... It doesn't ever feel like she finds something that she's looking for. It just feels like she happens to put herself in a really well, dumb What is she situation. looking for? That's what I Who yeah, fucking that's the, knows, that Robin? Question. We don't yeah. know. That's what <laughs> I'm saying. Like, I can't I can't ever f- could not figure out this character. Right. And I and I understand her physical being. Like that interested me. Like her beauty or the ugliness or the the transformation the car pregnancy. her as an image. Yeah, her and her, she is her as an image interested in me, but there was nothing mm-hmm. internal there. It, there was there's nothing on the inside. Yeah, yeah. we're not well, we're not allowed in far enough to know how who who she is. I think that's a really yeah. good point. Right, and that's I, why I think, we think, we keep trying to make all these judgment calls, and that's kind of why I I bucked back against like the oh like transphobic thing because. It doesn't seem like she's like, oh, I don't, I've never felt comfortable in my body. Let me express myself some other way. Like, it really does come off as just like, I need to hide, and this is the way that I've chosen to do it. And a, I feel like a, she feels like, most comfortable when she's putting her body on display. Mm-hmm. Right. The, the body that she was born with. Like, like yes. she never seems discomfort. And to the contrary, she seems super uncomfortable pretending to be a man. Yes, I think the transphobia uh, commentary is not on her as a character, but on the appropriative images and but again, using I just, gender right. Um, right. gender fluidity as like a metaphor when it's actually real people's lives. But again, like that's like that's right. that's I, there is a difference because if you are trying to disguise yourself, it just it feels like there is just a a pragmatic logistical issue with attempting to appear to be someone else and that's going to sometimes involve having well, to alter your yes. physical appearance in a and way this, that this yes is often done lot. by people who are picturing different gender expressions but like what is the way around that if you still want a story about someone who is desperate enough to escape their circumstances but i think robin was speaking to very specific tropes and very specific actions like this film didn't have to have this character doing the chest binding so well, I then think what would they when, be when doing? When she was mentioning that specifically. So I kind of see where. I don't know, a girdle? <laughs> would a girdle be better? Spanx. Spanx. First of yeah. all, I don't think ace bandages are going to tamp down your titanium baby. Like, that <laughs> makes no sense to me whatsoever. Yeah, First of all, I saw long. an ace bandage commercial yesterday that claimed <laughs> it would help tamp down a titanium baby. So uh, take that, Robin. So I think you bring up an interesting point, which comes up with. With history, with historians a lot, and with history in general, which is you have uh, people from historical times who dress, who perform as a different gender, or like as the as a let's say a, a female sexed person 
who has a male identity, you know, often the question becomes like, was this done for practical reasons? Uh, you know, like, was this the best way for this person to exist in society without having, uh, without being oppressed, for example, or is this born of like, quote unquote, genuine gender identity needs, you know, or like genuine trans. I mean, the question is like, did, you know, this comes up a lot is with transness. Uh, did that exist in other historical contexts or whatever? So I think, you know, I understand the point that you're bringing, which is like, this is a prince and the pauper story in some ways. Like, I mean, that's not the best metaphor, mm. but like, it is somebody who is hiding in a different identity to escape something, right? Right. Uh, a murder conviction. A mur- right. <laughs> Multiple murder <laughs> convictions. For some reason, she thinks she looks like a little boy from who was kidnapped 10 years ago or something. It's like utterly ludicrous. I was like, yeah, you could like just maybe like look a little more. Maybe you can find a woman. <laughs> but maybe also she's like, oh, well, they're looking for a female killer. So that's another step I can take is like, right. well, I can't be I- the killer because I'm clearly a man. Hi, my name's Jerry. I think I think one of the things that Robin's kind of pointing to though and that that piece probably is getting at is not what necessarily happens in the film but why why is this happening? Why is this character having to go through? Because, and and this was my thing with uh, the uh, lesbian, uh, uh, not Outback, Western film that we reviewed. Oh God, what was that called? Um, I can't remember. I'm sorry, it was, it was the, a lesbian Western film that I missed it. It was like yes. the other end of the earth or something like that, or the end of history. It was like the world's end. The prairie's over. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. Jesus. I, I think it was the no. That's the parts of the Caribbean movie, isn't it? <laughs> okay, okay. So this was the woman that's in uh, the Crown that plays Vanessa. The, the world's end is the Edgar Wright movie where they go drinking. <laughs> All right, now this is driving me it's crazy. It's the far end of the That's ocean true. or something like that? No. Far end of the earth? Hold on. Okay. No, it's got Casey Kirby. Affleck in it. Someone look up Casey Affleck and figure Honestly, out. No, what no, it's Vanessa, Vanessa Kirby. Vanessa, Vanessa yeah, Kirby. I'm looking her up right now. Give me a second. Give me. Yeah, I'm sure she's already on your Google. The world to come. The world. Thank you. <laughs> I feel oh I feel <laughs> okay. terrible, but also elated that none of us could remember that yeah. title. <laughs> it was also apparently released in 2020. Yeah, you missed it. It was Lesbians on the Frontier, Peg. Yep. Um, in upstate but- New York. It it ended up being released on uh, on uh, Valentine's Day this year. So I thought that okay. was Lady on Fire. No, that was that was like two years ago, bro. Um, every wow. every Valentine's Day gets the pre-electricity lesbian romance it deserves. <laughs> um, but anyways, my point with that film, one of my criticisms of that film was that I didn't like the relationship that she's being pushed away from because I felt like like and and to Robin's point and to our guest point at that film, um, I can't remember her name. Uh, their point was, I've seen this guy before. I recognize this guy before, and I was like, I get that that that's a reflection of reality in some way, but you don't have to write it right. Like this this story, 
that we're talking about right now, Titan, 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 Titan. It doesn't matter. Just roll with it. This story is not a real story. We're not adapting it. Right. And so we can change it. And so we have the the ability to say, do I want my character to dress in this way, to use the ace bandages, to have to flee and change her gender, you know, in this way? And the answer is no. Your, your character does not have to do that. Now, whether you decide to do that or not is completely up to you, which also means that you're kicking open that door to criticism that, hey, these are very pastel, like old shit, trans, like tropes. Why are we doing this again? You know, and so there's that criticism, right? Like, I think it holds up. I think there's also this idea of, okay you know how how aware of this kind of stuff are we are we aware that we're like triggering people and stuff like that i think there's there's just a lot of there's a lot of nuance that's going on here and whether this author or uh you know director slash writer decided to actually you know delve into that or not um you know people are always going to uh interpret art in different ways whether the artist wants them to or not so yeah hopefully that made sense yeah i think it does i mean once you put something out into the world that's it right that's why there's like the theory of the death of the author because we're supposed to take a film or a story or a piece of writing outside of the context of which it was created. I don't think that always works per se, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. you know, because you can't, you can't like evaluate art in a vacuum, but I agree with you, Bill, that, you know, once it's out there, that's, that's it. Like either the audience gets it or they don't. Mm -hmm. You don't don't usually get a, a redo. And even, even if, you know, unless you're a Michael there's Haneke, fam- <laughs> there's, there's famous <laughs> examples of you know when a a false narrative has has come up, and all of a sudden people feel one way, and it's very publicized. It's almost impossible to reverse that if new facts are found, or it turns out this wasn't true, or whatever. Right? It's almost impossible to reverse course. So you know that initial story is what it is so you know um even even if people decide oh let me go like speechify and tell people why they were wrong or w- what i really meant it's just like nah nah i saw the movie i know what it is you know so it yeah. happens and it sucks and also i i've seen the director write some things or uh, share some things like oh this character was meant to be the least relatable character that could be on Ooh. screen like she went, uh, she purposefully created a character who was antisocial, somebody that would be oh, that, ob- ob- obscure to the audience, mm-hmm. somebody that wouldn't be like lovable and whatever. But then I, mean, I also think to myself, I don't need her to tell me that was her intention. Like that, yeah. that's immaterial. Well, what was the context of that? Did someone ask her about that? I mean, like you know, I, I don't remember how she didn't when, put when that on a this. title card at the beginning of the movie, so it's no. Not I think it's an interview fault. or something. 
Well, I mean, I don't know. Whenever people like, you know, they get asked a question, they have to answer it. Like, you know, I don't, I don't take interviews into the movie Out with of me. Context. I take what the movie gives me. So, like, if she had, right. if she had written a title card that was like, just so you know, you are supposed to hate this person. Have a great one. Mm-hmm. Then I would be like, oh yeah, no, that's uh, thanks. I, I think I think one thing that that we haven't really mentioned much, but that we've kind of talked around, is how ethereal this character feels and acts. And part of that is because honestly, she doesn't say a lot. Yeah. It, and I find that really fascinating as a character because I'm extrapolating things where I just don't have a lot of information. So I'm saying that my read on, you know, that hookup scene is one way. And Brian's like, no, I read it this way. And neither of us are necessarily wrong because we don't have that kind of character dialogue. Well, where- I don't think we need dialogue from her to know that those people are not the the monsters that you make them out to be. <laughs> I, I don't know where this went wrong, but that's not exactly what... Okay, so you're laughing. So, so Well, I don't just, know. You said like she's not surrounding herself with the best people. And I was like, uh, those people are a lot better than almost every other human being I've ever lived with. So either my life okay. has been a real fucking shit show or you have a very high standard for roommates. I mean, she didn't necessarily surround herself with those roommates intentionally, did she? Well, she went in she with one of them she, and then they were just hanging exactly, around. Exactly. Well, she thought that house was empty, <laughs> which is a uh, poor planning on her part. But also, also I will a say giant house, not much. It, for it, planning it was a one. giant house. But yeah, she thought that house was empty because she definitely kills her a- in a very violent and like visceral way. And it's just like, whew, I'm glad that's done. And then what it's just the like, motivation? what the fuck? I, I just, still don't get that. I get we, killing we will, your parents because we will never know. Standing shit. We will, we will never know yeah. what her motivation is. Or, or her parents, because she doesn't talk. Bad people. Right. Like, did they? Is there anything there? I didn't pick up on it. I didn't either. But there was definitely like issues with the dad. But like, were they? I don't know. Like, were they the fault of? Th- I mean, well, yeah. He's a fucking. He seems like a real asshole. <laughs> I guess. Sorry, guys. I dropped out for a bit there. I'm back. Oh, okay, we were talking okay. about the fact that her dad's an asshole. Um. But I was also mentioning that one of the reasons that we're struggling with this character so much is just simply because there is no dialogue from her or not not no dialogue, but there's very little. She just ah, right, doesn't, right. Especially she just once, doesn't say a much. Yeah, once she becomes Adrian. So like for sure, because she's trying to kind of hide her or her identity. Yeah, she's 100 percent hiding I her identity. I mean, she yeah. doesn't want to be known to be a murderer. <laughs> like sure. She should smoke some cigarettes or something. I don't know. Well, I don't know. What if that's symbolic, too? What if it's not about her not wanting to be known as a murderer, but just not? Again, it's all about this idea. What is what is the question of identity mean in this film? Does she just she just doesn't want to be known for who she is because who she is is a weirdo, a monster, a freak or whatever. So, again, it comes back to this, you know, all these words we use to describe people that are different. But I mean, transgender people. But like, no one's like, ew, your head. Like, you know, they're just, they, everyone's cool with her. Up until if anything, the point where everybody she, wants to bang her. And no, everyone is fucking cool as shit with her up until the point that she murders them. Like, she is. Then yeah, you could bite a chick's nipple off and you could still fuck her, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, someone isolate that wrong. audio and turn it into a ringtone. So are you saying that the only way that someone can feel tortured about who they are and feels like a misfit in the world is if they're bullied 
uh, like helps. ostensibly bullied. I don't know. I, I don't know. But the pro the problem is that like if she is well, suffering not, from mean, it in some other way, the movie, it, to my mind, needs to reckon with it more or like do more to make that known. Because like we're saying like, oh, she didn't feel comfortable. She's alienated. But like she doesn't ever appear more appreciably comfortable ever in this movie. Like she is just a ball of uncomfort. And so up again, again, maybe that is entirely the author's intention. And if that is the case, then I once again have to fall back on the, it's not for me. And I don't, I get it. I get that. (laughs) Um, yeah. Cause like, if that's the intention, then like, yeah, I don't know what we're doing here. Like, you're telling me that people who always feel discontent will always feel discontent? Like, congratulations. You're well, we're ta- if we're talking about mental health, if we're talking about how mental health and identity are connected, how self-expression and mental health are connected, I mean, it, it's a conversation that needs having. If, you, if you're looking at how just in the last 20 years, I've noticed an enormous shift in the conversation and the discourse and in the so just the social constructs around mental health in this country anyway. And I, it's a, it's a conversation that needs to keep happening. Maybe it's not always a, a coherent conversation, but I think that's a lot of what is going on with this film. Uh, that's well, what I, I felt quite strongly. I, I, I think I think Peg, you're right because and now this was not that long ago, but I remember the conversation around Robin Williams when when he he passed. Um, I can't remember the circumstances. I, he I killed thought, himself because yeah, he learned he, that he had Lewy body dementia, which is a horrible disease. And mm-hmm. um, everyone was like, "Oh, he was he was depressed. Yeah, he was fucking depressed. He found out he got this horrible diagnosis." That, well, but, and, and maybe he struggled with depression before that, but that definitely nipped it in the bud or not. And that's not the right word he, that, you know, sealed the deal. and he wanted to, he didn't want to um, suffer through that. And I, mm-hmm. having watched someone, a friend of mine die from it, I can totally understand that. But, you but know, at the same my, time, people well, with hold on, debilitating hold progressive illnesses mm-hmm. may think that's like a, like an ableist point of view because no they feel no like i their agree lives are still worth living just no no i totally agree and i and i think thank you for saying that and i appreciate that that perspective also i'm just saying that um making that choice was obviously right for him um i understand how someone who's seen a loved one die from that could understand that because that was my experience but no i absolutely am not <laughs> so I, I know you're not i'm talking about like illness how yeah. i've seen that conversation before about his sure. death so i wanted to point right. that out that other people have been like found that very painful so are we trying they, to no. cancel robin williams yeah. for killing himself because no, I mean, it's obviously, ableist no but i think people who do live with really debilitating illnesses to yeah. find that there is like this cultural trope of people who would just rather right. be dead. Right. Well, I mean, people who live so with let me, let me say for the record, I'm, I'm not know. one of those people. I'm not one of these people that advocates. And when friends of mine say, oh, if that ever happens to me, just kill me and I'll put the pillow over my face. I'm uncomfortable with that because that's not how what I, I, I'm with you, Robin. I, I find that very disturbing. I'm just saying that I can see how people would feel that way and accept that. Yeah. And, and I accept yeah, people's, so. you know, you know, there are all sorts of reasons people. Don't but yeah, but I think, I think planet. it's a slippery slope and it's problematic to put it mildly. So I appreciate that you said that thing. Well, I mean, you could say the same thing about someone suffering from like, you know, 
chronic depression. It's like, well, any, you know, well it's, yeah. it's any kind of illness that yep. makes life very difficult. To I would say that uh, a yeah. suicide, not the answer. <laughs> Maybe that's um, just the thing to take away from this. I think, I think my point about bringing him up though, was this conversation around mental health and illness and that, one of the first things that I heard kind of consistently was I don't understand why he killed himself. He was funny and he was rich. And it's like, like, does that keep you from being mentally ill? Like, no, it doesn't. What the fuck are we talking about? We put a very high premium in this country on wealth being like the the be all and end all of all good things. And we like, we hate, ever hearing someone with like more than a million dollars in the bank talk about that like they may have problems and we like <laughs> and oh we Lord, like honey i could tell you stories but i mean it's true though like if jeff bezos came out and was like oh didn't like elon musk came out and was like i hey i like i'm on the autism spectrum and people are like ooh boo fuck you no one cares you're rich like <laughs> like that's what happened like jeff bezos could come out and be like i have a rare skin-eating alien grafted to my spine, and I'm going to die screaming. And people would be like, "Good." Like, well, yeah. I just like we we that's how we are. There's like, hating people because they have money, and there's hating people because they have money, and they hoard that money and don't do anything with that money to help other people, which could easily be done. I, that's just my view, but yeah, I'm with you on that one. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like stop shooting yourself into space. Fucking solve world hunger. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> money would actually help. But I think I think there's definitely a a a, a gray area, and then there's like a okay, there's not a lot of nuance here. <laughs> so I don't know if I had a bunch uh, of money, I'd shoot myself into space. <laughs> congratulations! I want to go to dick. space. I'm not ashamed. Yeah, you're going to jizz yourself into space. Uh. I don't know what that means. I'm just going to say no. (laughs) Did you not see the phallic rocket ship that he's Uh, flying on? I thought that was Elon Musk. Was that Bezos's? It doesn't matter. That was Bezos's. Um, Well, now now we're talking about High High Life, the Claire Denis film. So we could. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I thought that was like, I thought that that was another weird one. This is just how. I loved that. This is how my brain works. I thought Robin was making a joke about me being, um, uh, what's like in a, in a sexual dry spell because I said I'm not dating. So you were just going to blast. One of these days I was just going to explode into orbit just from like a strong breeze i was like i couldn't i was like that's like weirdly a good callback but also very mean i thought you were on twitter <laughs> I, I, robin, robin what does being like on twitter to have faint. to do with anything because is that where i'm supposed that, to find a woman no that's that's, that's where, where you find you your russian do- bot that's where you find the memes about the dick rocket. Bill, like, if it was a week ago, that's like seven months ago. And if it was seven months ago, that's like 14 years ago. And if it was 14 years ago, that's like, I might about. not have even been born. Like, there's the things just move too quickly. All right. Did you hear okay. about the bad art friend? What? Uh, yes, I'm not yes. on Twitter. Oh, uh, we'll see. So I'm <laughs> on Twitter. Exactly. Twitter. I know all about the bad art friend. I have not read the story or the Gross. story, or any of the stories about the story, but I am fully aware of the bad art friend. That takes place at the writing, uh, the writing 
I don't know if you call it like a group. They said uh, it's like a writing collective or group. Yeah, it's, it's like Street. where I've taken a bunch of classes, actually. Oh, shit. So do you know any of these people? Wow. Oh, God, no. I was in a different. Okay. I was about to say, are we going to get some bad art friend gossip? The street. No, dish? but I do know somebody. I know, well, I know somebody who knows one of the people in the article. And was... she was giving us like. I was about to say, do you know someone who free donated a kidney and wouldn't shut the fuck up about it? (laughs) Not that good. I've I've said it. I've said it. Hamilton. Nope. It's too late, Bill. We're talking about the bad art friend. Um, Speaking of uh, things being expelled from bodies and uh, people having ambivalent feelings about it, this movie ends with the birth of a child. Um, uh, Yay. What is that? What is that doing for us? I don't know. I have no idea. That was so dumb. I mean, if that kid was like a true cyborg, maybe that would have been interesting, but he has some like what glowy spine. Kind of hoping it would be a car. I know. A spine made of titanium, which would be super cool. I think you mean that. I guess you can have a titanium spine because people do get body parts made of metal. Yeah, I think that's called uh, Wolverine because I'm titanium, going to have a titanium jaw. I don't know I if you know this, angry. but titanium uh, is a metal highly resistant to heat and corrosion with high tensile strength alloys. Mm-hmm. So what, what are you? Are you on the Wikipedia? What are you? No, doing? I'm on the synopsis of this movie, Bill. <laughs> Isn't it weird that that's in the synopsis? It's such a clinical or just a specific scientific definition. Yeah, it's it's like if you had Manchester by the Sea and it's like a man goes home to like deal with the death of his brother, Manchester by the Sea, a small township north of Boston. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Just like, uh, thanks for the Sometimes hyphenated, sometimes not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what are what are we making of this of this baby? Do, is it is it gonna be a hot rodder? Like what what's it? I think it's uh I think it's it's gonna be big on TikTok. I don't know. Like I think the townspeople are gonna come with pitchforks and cudgels and try to kill it. First of all, mm. before we even get to the baby, uh did did uh did Alexia die? Is that what we're I think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm almost sure. okay. I'm so pretty she, sure you, yeah. you give you give she birth bled to out. a mutant mutant baby, mutant car baby. I think I think you're done so. No, I, I don't, don't think you I don't think that's it. She just did it without Whoa, whoa, any midwifery yeah the, and there was a lot of blood or motor oil or whatever on the floor so <laughs> okay, again that, we're acting like this know. is a normal pregnancy <laughs> like it's but just there wasn't even a doctor involved <laughs> that was uh, the way I, it was I, I for millions of years first responder yeah, he's delivered for, a lot of babies that's exactly, why he knew what to do exactly, exactly. firefighters deliver babies every day of the week yeah, yeah but I've like read a firefighter, and he's like, oh, seven babies today, fuck. They deliver them wherever they have to deliver them. That's why they're first responders. It's an emergency situation. My ex-husband was just... a firefighter. He delivered them in taxi cabs, on football fields. I mean, Yeah, okay. normal babies, not high-risk pregnancy. You, I don't understand <laughs> how a baby born with a titanium babies. spine. and a ti- First of all, <laughs> this baby is low-risk because you could throw it against a wall and it would live, and you cannot do that with a normal baby. <laughs> right, this is a super baby. It's a superhuman okay. baby. You could hammer nails with this baby's head. Most babies don't even have bones in their skull yet. <laughs> right, you can't be dropping them. They're or just seawater in dreams. Jesus, what if, what if this movie just ended with the guy dropping the baby and it's just like... And picking it up and there's a crack in the tile floor and the baby's <laughs> just like, Christ. I'm fine, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> the baby talks immediately. It's got a titanium you know, spine. It can do whatever you know it wants. That one of the movies that reminded me of, though, um, the not, was it the Demon Seed or was it Stranger? 
the stranger inside. One of them, the baby is born and it looks like a little robot and it does speak and it says, I'm alive. Okay, the you know, it comes out of the womb. What's, that, what's that a cooler the baby? Of this. What's a cooler baby? Titanium. Oh no! Car baby or yeah. baby? And don't Annette. you fucking oh, goddamn! Or which or which one? Baby, baby Annette. Annette. Oh, I haven't seen that. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. No right. spoilers. Well, don't, don't I'm gonna just it. say I'd you. rather chill with Titanium Baby than Baby Annette. I don't know. I'm still pro Baby Annette. We have to God talk damn. about this. Our, our guest has not seen the movie. No, All right. Thank you. Know, you. Thank you. Exclusionary. <laughs> I'm not going into why. I'm just uh, in Annette. There is a baby. Its name is Annette. And I would prefer to hang out with Titanium Baby. <laughs> okay. I will bear that in mind before I see Annette. You haven't seen Annette, but Annette's actually very racist. But Annette's has seen you. <laughs> Annette's, Annette's a red pill. Annette's looking at you. <laughs> Um. Yeah. What? Uh. What are we talking? Yeah. This. Ba- so. Like. I, I. I. just. I love that you guys are like. Well. I'm sorry. But if a baby had a titanium still, of course, the spine. Of course, the mother would be murdered. It's just like. Well, I'm she ripped sh- a hole in her stomach and chilled out with that for like an extra three days. Like, I don't think she's. She, I. I definitely thought that like the way that she was going to give birth was like a like almost like a turtle shell kind of situation. A homemade cesarean. I thought that I, it was just going to burst thought, forth from be- her. Yeah. I thought yeah. the belly was just going to just either crack Yeah, I thought they might do that cracking. too. Like super monstrous. But the fact that they kind of went with it being this traditional vaginal birth, uh, again, yeah. I think is, is, you know, commentary on all the things that are, many of the things that are going on in this film. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, I'd like to believe that. But at the same time, like, I just don't know. I mean, like, that's the thing, though, is every there every everything that happens in this film is a choice. Like, a choice had to be made. I don't know the yeah. thought process behind some of those choices. But I can't say, like, oh, well, they just did it because, like, that's what you do. Because clearly they didn't give a shit about the laws of actual pregnancy. <laughs> but it just it did feel weird for her to, like, scratch a hole in her chest that her finger, or in her chest, in her stomach area, her abdomen, that her fingers go into and mm-hmm. seem to brush this, like, metal orb that is within her, and then for that to not be a thing. And, like, to Bill's point, like, you know, in a, in a normal pregnancy, a woman doesn't grow a metal orb that encompasses her titanium baby. I mean, <laughs> it's very rare that a woman spontaneously generates any kind of metal architecture during a pregnancy. Um, yes. I will say that uh, it is not uncommon for women to gain as much as nine extra pounds of blood. Ew. Oh, yeah. I know you read all those baby books. Brian. I was I was there at every doctor's appointment. I I knew I knew everything that was happening, and I said that most of it would make excellent titles for punk rock songs. <laughs> so we went through sort of the chronology of this film from from car love to baby birth, right to mother death. So what do you think the baby symbolizes? Is it is it that um you know this this marginalized person must carve out a place for herself before she can eventually uh die and make way for her progeny which is the more fully integrated other self that you know she had to sacrifice for but that might have a fuller life because of her sacrifices did I she mean, actually sacrifice, or she just Robin, I don't get know. An abortion? <laughs> don't. <laughs> she was bad at self-abortion. 
And really, that's the most damning thing you can say about someone. (laughs) I don't know. I tried to come up with something. The only one who won in this movie was the surrogate father. Right, because now he's got a new child. Right, right. A new titanium baby. You ain't gonna, that baby ain't gonna get away from you, man. That baby's gonna (laughs) live forever. It is made of titanium. He's gonna have to explain it. He's gonna have to explain where he got that baby. No, actually, I I don't know how it is. I I had a question. Yes, yes, go ahead. Uh, The firefighter that was going to snitch on her. Yes. Right. Did he die at the end? Because I know she sees like a semi-hallucination of him with like his face all burned up or like you know yeah so what happened was he was in the woods they were fighting they were doing that fire simulation exercise in the woods and the father handed him like an oxygen tank or something and then Mm -hmm. ran off to do whatever and the guy exploded when she was sitting there on the truck and she sees that explosion that was that yeah. guy was blowing up. Was that a simulation? Up. I thought that was like an actual woods fire. No, like he a, like no, a meth he, lab. Well, yeah, maybe it was an actual fire. Either way, because well, I say that because they had gone from they were doing a simulation right before that. Yeah, um, they were. But yeah, it might have been a real one. But in any case, yeah, he expl- he blew up. He was, okay, so um, she she does see a hallucination of him then. Yeah, but she also saw like him actually die. Yeah, she also no, saw no, him die. but 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 what I'm saying is at the firehouse she sees a hallucination of him because yeah, there so. there is a scene of him with like a damaged face right and I was yep. like okay but he was actually just, dead okay cool because um, then it got real they weird also have an interesting film. moment because the reason he's going to expose her. I don't know if you remember this little bit of dialogue, but he says to her, it's like, don't you feel the energy between us? He knows that she's a woman. He feels mm. this like sexual I, chemistry between them. And that's why he knows I, her secret. I, I thought that that energy was that he or that she was now the new favorite because he seemed to be very much the brown noser of the of that group. He was right. like constantly helping him, constantly looking out for and it like almost all of his sexual. It almost I, yes. I think it was sexual. I think it was sexual. Yeah. And so I think that I thought that was what he was saying was I feel this tension between us and I'm going to rat you like that's that's why I'm going to rat you out. I know you're a you know, you, you aren't who you say you are. Because he was also looking on his phone and, like, came across that sketch of yeah. of her and, right. like, kept on looking at her. And so, right. yeah, I thought I thought that was the energy. But, but his not, first not the sexual, sexual chemistry. But his but, first okay. indication that this is an Adrian is that he understands that she's a woman. I feel like... Like, he picks up on that before anybody else This just might be me, but I feel like everyone knows immediately that it's not Adrian because it's clearly not Adrian. Well, they always think it's so far-fetched. Right, I think that's the thing is no one... There's not a moment where anyone's like, oh, yep, totally Adrian, that's definitely Adrian. They're all just like, okay, the captain's going through something and maybe we should just give some space But again, it goes back to whether whether the events of this film are mirroring, mirroring actual plausible types of events... Or are they all metaphorical? Like everyone wants this boy to be this boy, but this boy is never going to be this boy. Do you see what I'm getting at? Well, like, I don't know. We, we don't want know our about... son to be our son, but what if our son is our daughter? What if our son is this um, gender, d- you know, descriptive category that no one really has a name for yet? See what I mean? So and, it's and, all and about they... who we expect people to be and who they really are. 
But I mean, and, and they I, do kind of touch on that in the film because when he catches her dressed in the dress, he pulls out a photo of his actual son wearing right? that. Yeah, exactly. Wearing that dress that. and and is like and is like I. It, like to him, I think at that moment he maybe was doubting, but then that mm. kind of confirmed. Yeah, to that's him. such a great moment. Like, like in his in his own mind, that confirmed mm-hmm. him, even though it wasn't a confirmation of anything. And right? also, it was just kind of this this arbitrary moment where Adrian just grabs that dress because it's there, and or, yeah. or I mean, Alexia because she needs something to cover herself, and it was. Um, you know, a pregnancy dress worn by his wife. You know, it's it's a, that's such a layered and beautiful moment. I that visually and everything. I love that. That, that was very unexpected for me. Yeah, like right. I, I was not expecting him to have that moment. Um, you know. Mm. I don't know. Anything else that we want to talk about? (laughs) We've, uh, I mean, honestly, so much going on with this movie. Yeah, I, I, I didn't, I didn't know what we were gonna necessarily talk about because this film is so, it's, it's maddening in so many ways that it doesn't give us what like any kind of concrete answers. But it's also like in that way, it sparks really interesting and active conversation because we mm-hmm. all have like different interpretations of it and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, I mean, in, in a way I can see how some people might come out of this conversation and say, well, clearly it was a good film. And in some ways I could see somebody coming out of this and going, clearly it wasn't a good film because we all had different interpretations that are very different. You yeah, know? That's what and makes it still- a great film. Mm-hmm. I mean, it won sure. the Palm Door. I'm sorry. That shit doesn't mean films shit. don't win the Palm Door. I mean, I don't know. That doesn't. That I mean, winning anything doesn't mean anything to me. It's like, I don't know. It's just it's it it's clearly a well made film, you know. And I, but I just like, I I'm I'm almost like if if we're this divergent and can't agree on anything and can't even agree to like any level of symbolism, I think that you've created. It's like uh, it's like you spilled ink and are calling it a Rorschach test. Like, yeah, technically maybe, but yeah, like but also maybe that's like the point that 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 that, that it, it the whole point of it is that it's it is intricate and it is complicated and there is a whole lot going on and everyone people are going to respond strongly to it. I, I think, think that if you, makes like, it a success, not to, a failure. I don't know. I feel like if you refuse to make a coherent statement and just hope that people will fill it in, like that's not interesting to me. Like I'd prefer to be. I don't. It's. And maybe that's not. Maybe she thinks she did make. So a So you think a film statement. should only have one clear cut way to? No, but I think it? that it should. It, I I don't think it should be like that. Obviously, but like it just this one feels like it's so not saying anything. I think like, it's saying it's, a lot. I think it's just saying a lot, and and not everyone can agree on what it's saying. Right, but so do because it has so much to say. Crazy people on the side of the streets in D.C., but like that doesn't always mean they're making a coherent argument. Like it's just like. Well, you know, it's, in the old days, people that used to talk to themselves and say crazy things were revered as the great seers and prophets of their tribes. Right, but usually so they would at least be able to give a narrative. Like we don't know that. Maybe we. Maybe they were seeing outside the box. You know, that genius is genius and insanity. It, that's a very fine line. I mean, all the great geniuses of our of, you know, millennia have been seen as being, you know, crazy people at one level or another. And a lot of people, a lot of them do go crazy. If we, if we define that as being they just kind of they can't quite live in the normal world. Um, 
are they on the right path or are we wrong? You know, I, I don't think we can judge that. It goes back to our discussion of mental health that we had earlier. I think it's very, it's a slippery slope to say that any one way of being in the world is, is right or wrong. I mean, that's this, we have this character that kills people. I think we can all agree that that's a wrong way to behave. But um, in terms of this filmmaker, not having a coherent vision, I completely disagree. I think that it's just an extraordinarily complex vision in this film. And that's why this film is probably going to be so divisive. I, and I, and again, I just think it's, I think it's like, it is, I think the complexity is is a symptom of its its unknowingness of what it's trying to do, and that that it gets masked as that. You it just so, you're saying that the that the filmmaker didn't that what happened was I mean she doesn't know what she's. I doing think that she. I think that they're not confident. I, it, no, because I again it, it feels like the movie was very much under control and is being made. I just don't think that it's. I mean, and this is something that I I feel like early on Robin and Bill were saying like it just wasn't going far enough or making a and and we've all kind of said that it, it doesn't add up like it's well, we just like more, moment to moment it's doing something but like i don't know that it ever becomes more than the sum of its parts but that the parts are so strange and because they are because there's no connection because there's no through line we can tackle it does allow it to be more amorphous than a than a your your normal you know, thoroughly constructed film would be. And so it becomes a thing that allows people to project onto what they want. And then that makes it mm-hmm. feel more. But I just, I still feel like I would prefer if there was some other actual, you know, story with a, with a knowable character or, you know, a, even a knowable tertiary character that I could hang on to just so I could have something more to go on. I like, would have liked it's that, super that cool. too, but I also still found it extremely powerful. I mean, yeah, I would have liked that central character to be, as you put it, more knowable. And yet, obviously, there were, there's a reason for that not happening. I yeah, but I and I and you know that's it's again I hate I hate saying it, but like just not for me. Like it's just never it's not going to work. I will, I cannot find the power in it if I can't even feel like the the voice of the author coming through because I I'm perfectly fine saying like, Oh, this is what I read into it. If I can still know what the author was probably trying to say, because it, to me, it's more interesting when someone makes, you know, a, a full throated statement and then you c- are able to observe it through your lens and can take something different from it, you know, but to but, but see something that's will, just will, all obscurity is just not interesting to me. But people are also going to see what they want to see anyway. I mean, an author can have one, intention and other people are going to interpret it in all kinds of different ways. And I've, I've often read in interviews with filmmakers where they many of them are very excited and very thrilled by the, the potential for people seeing things in their work that they didn't necessarily intend. Right. But again, and I, I, I think know. that the, the divergence here is I, I can understand that, but this feels like this is a movie that was crafted just for people to read their own thing into and not to say something initially that could then get, transmuted through you know the the lens of other people it is it is like throwing pasta at the wall and seeing what sticks yeah i was about to say it is like pure cinematic rorschach test which again could be your thing but i would prefer you know you know that song imagine by fucking john lennon right yes that fucking song that stupid fucking song so like he's all like hey imagine the utopia that could be if there was no possession and no heaven or hell but every time i heard that song it gave me the chills 
because he was basically talking about a dissolution of like every like moral and ethical concept of the entirety of humanity. And it felt like apocalyptic to me so that when I think it was tool or a perfect circle, one of those Maynard's bands made, the, <laughs> made the cover of it. That was like low key and pounding. I was like, Oh, this is it. This is the thing I've always thought. That's what I love. I love John Lennon being like, let's all imagine I think it was a perfect world. circle. Yeah, let's all imagine a world where there's no heaven or hell below us and no one's judging us and there's nothing waiting for us when we die. And I love a bunch of hippies fucking stoned out of their minds being like, yeah, no possessions, all nations are dissolved. And there's me being like, hey, that sounds a lot like the rapture and I don't like it. Like, that's interesting to me. If he had just, if if instead it was Lucy in the Sky with fucking diamonds... Like, that song is incredibly boring to me because it does just sound like a mishmash of nonsense. And you can read into it, but it doesn't 100% it feel like he was trying to make a statement. It was written by someone that was on statement. acid, though, which is kind of the point of that song. Yeah, and that's also another reason I hate it. Because of all the druggies I've ever hung out with, the acid people are second only to the heroin people. <laughs> and at least the heroin people shut up every now and then. <laughs> so Because they're on the nod. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh my lord so that's that's again like that's where it is it, it is 100 possible that this was constructed in the way that you're saying that it's supposed to be like a lot of negative space that you can then take these symbols and read into it but like that is again i'm uh, just it, it sounds like boring criticism but it's, it's not for me and i'm not going to be able to connect with it because i need to be working either in tandem or in harmony or in opposition with a artist statement rather than being given the tools to come up with maybe this is a film that could allow you to break out of that and become more uh, open to other kinds of experiences in the cinema uh i mean it, it's always a possibility but if it hadn't happened yet and it hasn't happened after this conversation i feel like i'm just gonna have to wait for the next one fair enough but i mean that's the thing like you know i'm, I'm not like standing here it again this isn't an alex ross perry situation where i'm like never again I will never watch another movie by this I don't understand that reference. Person. I hate the movies of Alex Ross Perry. I don't know who that is. Okay, what well, good, good for you. I am. <laughs> I wish I could say the same. But like, so... Uh, like, well, could is, you name a couple of them? Because then maybe I, I would was, have a I was about to say, uh, Golden Exits, Her Smell, uh, Impelex, Color Wheel, Queen of Earth, uh, Philip, Listen Up, Philip. Yeah, I haven't seen any of those. Okay, yeah. All right, so I don't like Alex Ross Perry. It came to the point where I, I told our editor-in-chief, like, I'm not doing this anymore. Like, I'm, I refuse to watch another Alex Ross Perry film. It's just not productive for me. It's not productive for the podcast. Like, if you really want to cover it, get someone else to do it. I'm not going to say that with Julia Decor now. I, I'm still interested. I'm still here for it. And I'm looking forward to the next one. Because, again, like, even though I didn't like this film, I, they're, you know, aesthetically interesting clearly she knows what she's doing with you know what she's doing like setups and blocking and just like mood and and vibe but you know this this particular narrative did not connect with me but that does not to say that like whatever she does next and maybe if she does evolve and become the level of crazy that bill and robin kind of said they wanted maybe that will be the hyperbolic step forward that will get me to release my need for an artist or maybe a lot of other people are connecting to this film in powerful and resonant ways you just aren't one of them that's what i've been saying the whole episode yeah (laughs) i don't know bill and i are i can't speak for bill but i you can speak definitely feel what brian is saying Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
Um, but yes, uh, are there any other final oh, thoughts on this? We've been we've been at it for two hours and seven minutes. Have we beat the movie? Oh, you know what the problem is though is we're gonna have to cut out all the part where uh, where we lost Peg for a bit. So I can't even say we've been talking for two hours and seven minutes. No, you don't have to do that. I mean, it's it is that it is what it is. You, no it, one wants to listen. It's kind to us of like a talk about metaphorical occurrence <laughs> where, like, you know, oh yeah, Peg went off and then she was part of the titanium Borg hybrid <laughs> sort of, uh, you know ethereal universe just for that time much as this movie dropped the murders for a little while we dropped peg <laughs> <laughs> um all right yes, let's get any out of fi- here. yeah i was about to say are there any final you know thoughts uh peg would you like the final word on this on this movie or do you feel as though we've we've said all there is to say for now i think it was an interesting conversation i i i liked it I thought it was powerful. I thought it was beautiful. I thought there was a lot that was un- unknowable, unreachable, and uh, somewhat ambiguous, and that, that didn't bother me. There were things I wanted more of, but I'm I am really it, I found it so alluring because I couldn't put it in any kind of box, and uh, that that's exciting for me. I like that in in film, and I and. There are films that don't make any sense that I think are terrible films that are overrated, like The Void, which I thought was awful, uh, that everyone seems to go on about like it's this great horror film. Whereas this, I think there is um, a great deal of of wisdom and and um, artistry and ambition behind it. And I think there's levels, there's just deep levels of things going on in here that I'm still trying to crack open. I don't think it's a perfect or flawless film by any means. Um, but it's, it's exciting to me that a filmmaker uh, this early in her career is doing things that are, um, that are so interesting. Uh, and I like, uh, like you, I look forward to, um, to the next thing that she does. All right. Well, that is and it I look for- forward to hearing conversations about this film. Cause I think there's going to be a lot of them. Yeah, it seems like it. Um, well, that is it for today. Um, and uh, I'm I'm very glad, Peg, that you were able to join us. Uh, if if this would not have been nearly as fun or interesting of a podcast if you had not been here. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I had a great time. I really really appreciate you inviting me to talk about it. Absolutely. Hey, Robin Barr, what are we talking about next week? Dune. Uh, think, yeah, I think <laughs> Dune. Dune, baby. Oh, wow. Get them sandworms. Get Exciting. them sandworms. I had a, uh, so, you know, since I joined Erica's family this weekend, uh, I had a very interesting conversation with one of her uncles because they were in town for a little bit longer. And uh, he was talking about all the nuances of Dune. I guess he had read all the books. Oh, my God. Can he be on the podcast? Yeah, seriously. (laughs) (laughs) He he was just talking about, like, the impossibility of adapting this thing. And it sounded like a fucking nightmare. And I was Mm. just like, holy shit there's a lot going on in this and he was like oh and there's also prequel books that explain everything leading up to the first book and i was just like no this is a nightmare so i hope i hope denny uh only makes two of these fucking things because otherwise he's opening up 
a can of worms? Oh, oh yeah. no. Okay. That'll work. <laughs> that's the thing. Is like, you know, everyone's like, yeah, Dune. But then you get to like Child of Dune or like God Emperor mm. of Dune. And I'm just There's like, also oh, going to be an HBO series. So we can definitely talk yeah. about that in a bit. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what the hell's happening anymore. Um, But yeah, I'm, I'm excited to. I read the first like three chapters of Dune. And even in just reading those three chapters, I was like, I feel like I've already seen like three movies. Like there's so much happening here. What is going <laughs> yeah, on? Yeah, it's a lot. Um, but I'm, uh, you thick know, like cheese. It's like cheese. I said thick like cheese. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I'm not going to ask thick. you to. No, no, we're moving. We're moving on. I don't need an explanation. <laughs> um, let's, uh, but anyway, can't, can't wait to talk about Dune next week. Uh, I've loved everything I've seen from Denny V and, uh, this is, uh, yes. perhaps the biggest test of my fealty yet. Because I have no knowledge of Dune, I l- honestly have no interest in Dune, and um, uh, Tragedy Chevrolet is the main character. So, oh my we'll see god, what happens? Oh, the cutest worm of all. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Dune is next week. Uh, before then, let me remind everyone that you can go to Patreon.com/slash/FilmStateShow to give us your money. Don't forget that you can go to mubi.com slash filmstage for a free 30-day trial of Mubi. Um, and uh, what else? I think that's that's about it, right? There's nothing else happening between now and then in our lives. Uh, Bill will be on honeymoon, so if you uh, are on... Keep going, Bill. If you're on the Instagram and the Twitter, shout at Bill and say, Have a good honeymoon, you son of a bitch. Going to Cancun. Ooh. As you do. Oh my! When you live in Texas. So that's that's pretty basic, but I mean, this make sure you take the, the take that boat and go to the traditional village spice. where you can walk around and go to Tulum. Oh, we're, we're we're going to an all inclusive and oh, I've been to one of those. That's why I'm telling you, go to those other places because the all inclusive is really boring, and you're going to want to actually see some of actual Mexico. Uh, so there are ways to do that when you're in Cancun. Uh, well, I mean, I'm sure there will be. I, I think w- we already had that discussion where this is supposed to be the honeymoon, the relaxation. And she was like, she, uh, I was like, do we want to make trips? And she was like, I feel like that would add stress and the whole. Yes, oh, 100%. Right. Especially every time during COVID. I, yeah, you're right. Every yeah. time I go on vacation and my family's like, we have something planned for every day. And I'm just like, then it's not a God fucking vacation i just oh, you sit. would not like going on vacation with me no uh <laughs> it's bananagrams i would not be down for that um i will say bill you know you're at this resort that sounds great do not under any circumstance let them put you on a bus that oh, takes you to a beach to a private cove where yeah, you yeah. grow old no that that's that sounds, oh, yeah. that sounds shit that's sounds what bad. i did for like all of our hawaiian Oh my God, like you we're went, you going went to, to Hawaii. nothing but beaches that took you. No, we're not. Old? We haven't gone yet, but we just booked a bunch of like bus tours. You went out a bunch of bus tours, beaches that are going to make you old. Yes, Robin. I fucked up. God, just you can stay an hour, all right, but any more than that, and you're going to get old. Yeah, right. I'm already old. God, I just feel bad. <laughs> I'm going to be so not young you, once Brian. you guys get back from being made old. <laughs> anyway, this is now why you'll I still be the oldest and the crotchetiest. <laughs> Right, the oldest in spirit. Just <laughs> my blackened, wizened soul. Anyway, uh, speaking of that, let's tell the fine people at home where they can find us on the internets. We begin with our guest, Pegaloy. Where can people find you and your work online? Oh, geez, I don't know. I haven't had time to post anything on my blogs on Substack or whatever, but it's uh, my little handle is the Media Witch 
on Twitter. Um, I have an Instagram that's mostly pictures of animals and flowers. I don't know. That's not that exciting for people. Depends on uh, the animals and the flowers. I think most of my my film-related writing, I tend to link it on Twitter, so you can go check that out. Uh, when when I this I don't know if it's too early to tell, but do you know when your uh, your book on on cinematic witchery is going to be available? Um, that's an excellent question. Um, I don't know. It's still it's probably about half written, so it's not quite in uh, book deal stage or whatever. I would hope that um, I would have an answer to that question by the first of the year, though. Awesome. That's what I'm going for. Everyone should uh, follow you so they can keep the prize of that. Yeah. All right. Bill Graham. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CableBFG. Uh, you can find some pictures of the wedding on my Instagram at Pilstagram. And uh, you can also find me mixing it up on the Slack channel, which has been a little bit more quiet lately. Um I think people are finally starting to uh, go out into the world, maybe. I don't know. Mm. It, the, the world is healing. Yeah, I threw an event last night, and it was like, you could, f- people, well, first of all, you could feel people being like, oh my god, things are happening again. But then people wouldn't shut up about how excited they were that things were happening again. <laughs> so there was <laughs> subtext, works, Brian. and then well, there we was... we don't know how to say things anymore. We've lost the art of small talk because we've all been so... So you know what's hilarious? Is that, like, the, the, the art event that we threw at my distillery, Schmidt Spirits, um, in Beltsville, Maryland, uh, was from, we'd, we'd pegged it from 6.30 to 11, right? We wanted to give a wide swath of time we had no idea how long it would actually last, but we were like, yeah, we'll open at 6.30. No one's going to be here for like the first hour. Then, you know, eight or nine, that'll be the peak, and then it'll taper off. And instead, it was like people showed up at 6. Fucking everyone was there by 7.30. Everyone was gone by 9.45. And I was just like, people have forgot how to go out. Mm, like, yeah. people have yeah. forgotten the rules of going out. They came out. Yeah. They went too hard, too fast. So uh, we joke, but yeah, I think it's going to take time for people to get their social groove back. Um, yeah, get their sea legs. Yeah. That being said, Robin Barr, where can uh, people come and find your thoughts and opinions online? Um, you know, Twitter. So at R-O-B-Y-N-B-A-H-R. I'm also on Letterboxd at the same handle. So yeah, that's that's where I am mostly these days. All right. As for me, uh, you can find me at my personal BrianGerone.com. Uh, you can find all my writing and all the episodes of this year podcast at thefilmstage.com. Uh, you can follow me on all the social medias at Brian J. Rowan. And uh, as I said, we I, I have a distillery and we do stuff around places. Uh, so go to SchmidtSpirits.com to learn more about that. And look for us next week when we will be talking about Dune here on this podcast. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much and join us next time. Awesome.